All right, welcome back to another week. I am joined by Preston, the one and only. Going to be doing the positional rankings. I feel like it's that time of the year. I did this with Preston last summer. Top 10 at each position in the NBA, one through five. Preston kind of gave me some insights. Uh, but this year, we're going to switch it up. We're going to have him actually give us a list too. Uh, so this is going to be fun. It's going to be more interactive this year. I'm very interested to see how your list is going to look compared to mine. And we're going to start right with the point guard list. We don't really have anything to talk about. So without further ado, Preston, let's just go down straight from the list. We'll start from the point guards. I'll have you start number 10. You say number 10, why? I'll go to number 10, why? And we just keep going down the list from there. I think that's the best way to do it. So I'm putting you on the spot. Who comes in at number 10? We'll mention a couple honorable mentions too here in a second, but let's go ahead and, and get it going. Yeah, point guards were probably the, the toughest to rank because there's so many in the NBA. But I feel like we all know, we all watch and we know them the best. So it's just going to depend on us individually, kind of like what we see, how we see the game of basketball. For me personally, I've got De'Aaron Fox at number 10. I'm not sure where you have him. That might seem a little low. It, it honestly seems a little bit low to me. But when I look at the rest of this list and I look at point guards that, you know, based on how they played and who I'd want on my team, I don't know. It just it just seems to make sense for me. I think I still need to see him do it again. Um, I need to I need to see it a little bit more. But he was phenomenal this year. Phenomenal in these playoffs. I just need to see more of it. Uh, I think the other guys on this list, I've seen more consistency over the years. And it's not to say that De'Aaron Fox hasn't been consistent, but he really just made a big leap this past year. So that's why I have him at number ten. That's not crazy. I mean, I think it's a little low. I, I'm, a, I'm a little surprised. I mean, that, that one kind of shocked me. But like you said, the point guard position is so loaded. It's probably the best, the most stacked position in the NBA right now. So yes, it, it shocks me a little bit. But at the same time, there's going to be players that don't even make this list that, you, that you're going to be like, wow, how is this player not in the top 10? It's just because this position is so valuable. So yeah, I mean, I don't even think I had De'Aaron Fox in my top 10 last year. So for him to be 10 this year, that that just shows you that like, okay, like at, at the end of the day, he's still on the, the upper trajectory, right? It's not like he's regressing or anything. He made a big leap this year, like you said, and that's a, that's a good spot to have him. As long as you have him in the top 10, I respect it. So uh, Sacramento had a great year. And for number 10 for me, I have a, a point guard that also made a big leap this year, Preston. I have Jalen Brunson coming right in at number 10 here. Look, there was a point last year where I didn't believe in him. And now looking back on it, the Mavs made a mistake. They should have just re-signed him. Uh, they should have just gave him the money he was worth. A year ago today, I would have said that I don't think he was capable of being a number one, number two guy in the NBA. And he's proven to be that guy. What he did this year against the Cavs in the first round was pretty phenomenal. And what he did as arguably the number one option in New York this year was phenomenal. So... I'm salty that, you know, he didn't want to stay in Dallas, but I got to respect that he wanted to go play for his dad in the Knicks organization. And 
He took a big leap this year, man. I mean, he's he is really turning into a star in this league. And how good he played in the regular season, how good he played in the playoffs, I have to put, put him in the top 10. So Jalen Brunson, right at number 10. He's got a long way to go, but he's still young. He's going to continue to get better. So that's who I got. Yeah, I've got Jalen Brunson at number nine, actually. I think we're just starting to see what he's capable of. And as his coach continues to see his play style and his teammates continue to gel with him and the Knicks continue to build around him, I think he's going to continue to get better and better, like you said. And I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up in our top five next season. My number nine is Jamal Murray. I didn't even have Jamal Murray in my top 10. And I was like, you know what? Like, I, I feel like I just don't think he's quite there just from wh- where he was in the regular season. But it's kind of hard to deny what he did in the playoffs. And without trying to get too much recency bias, I mean, I, I think you have to factor in what he did in the playoffs and, and winning that championship. And you know that he's going to be better next year. It's not like this is going to be like that one-time thing. Like You had doubts about Jalen Brunson last year because he played really good in the playoffs on, with Luka and they went to the Western Conference Finals. But you still weren't convinced that Jalen Brunson was this some kind of superstar yet. You needed to see more, and he had to go to another team to prove that. And having the ability to be a number one option showed, okay, he was capable of being that type of player, but he wasn't there yet. Jamal Murray has been at that level before. He balled out in the bubble. What he did in the bubble was crazy. Now, he had a couple down years. He got hurt. He tore his ACL, and he's trying to get back to that form of being really elite. But I feel like we're starting to see now he's already back at that form. It's just a smaller sample size. So yes, it might be recency bias to put him any higher. Some people were saying that he was a top five point guard in the NBA now after the playoffs. That's recency bias right there. That's a little ridiculous. Let's pump the brakes there. Uh, he, I think he's shown that he's back at that elite level. And yeah, he could be top five next year, but we still need to see more. And the Nuggets are going to be better next year because Jamal Murray is going to be 100% throughout the whole year. And Jokic is going to continue to get better as well. So the Nuggets are going to be scary. I mean, it's not ridiculous to say that this team could win the West the next couple of years because the West is weak and Jamal Murray and Jokic are going to be those those one-two punch, probably the best duo in the NBA. So number nine is Jamal Murray. You could have him a little higher. You could have him a little bit lower. I think this is a perfect spot for him. He's got to be in the top 10. Yeah, so at number eight, that's who I have. Um, I've got Jamal Murray at number eight. I 100% agree with everything you just said. Like you said, he he played at a high level before in the bubble, um, and he played a, a high level this postseason. Obviously, Jokic has a lot to do with that. But yeah, dude, he's he's been making shots where it's just like, damn. like That's like a Kobe-type beat. Like He's got this fadeaway, and he's got this this control that is pretty phenomenal. And, you know, as long as he stays healthy, you know, he's kind of like Jimmy Butler in a sense where he might, underperform a little bit in the regular season but then when it comes time uh to play in the playoffs when the intensity picks up he elevates his game and he's a really special player to watch so we're going to keep an eye on him like you said he could be in the top five next year but it's just going to have to depend on if he stays healthy and if he's able to repeat what he did this year in next year's playoffs yeah well our lists are pretty similar so far my number eight I got a guy that made a big rise as well this year. Tyrese Halliburton didn't have him uh, top 10 last year. But what he did in Indiana this year, I I feel like really went unnoticed because of how bad they were. Uh, And I think they're going to be a lot more competitive this year. He just got the bag. I think it's well-deserved. You got to lock him up early. You texted me that last night. And I I agree. Uh, They know he's going to be a star. And 
it seems like, wow, that that's really high for a guy like Halliburton because Halliburton wasn't even near this point, like probably maybe close to an honorable mention, but he really made a big leap this year. And, I, and when I think of pure point guards, I think he's going to be one of the better better ones, a guy who can play, make a guy who can facilitate, but can also score at any will. And he, he put up some big performances this year, just watching him plays. But like I said, it went unnoticed because he plays for the Pacers. So watch out for Tyrese Halliburton next year, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, he's going to be a really special player moving forward. I think the Pacers know by paying him this big contract that this is a guy that they trust to build around for their future. And I mean, he averaged 2010 and 50% shooting, 40% from three. Almost hit three three-pointers a game. Like to see a little bit better shot creation from him, but he doesn't turn the ball over, and he's going to be a superstar. And honestly, I, I think he's one of the best point guards in the league. I love this position right here for Tyrese Halliburton, and I can't wait to see his progression next year. I'm not going to lie. I totally forgot about Tyrese Halliburton. I think I, I acted, uh, accidentally classified him as a shooting guard. So I had him pretty high on my, my shooting guard list, but I, I don't know why I classified him as a shooting guard. Okay. Um, Would you put yeah. him over those those three guys you already right you already said? If you were- no, he he falls he falls outside of the top ten for me right now in point guards just because you know he he had a really great season this year and obviously the Pacers are going to look to extend him. He's going to be a really good player in this league. But yeah, to put him over some of these guys who have been playing at a ridiculously high level in the playoffs, I just can't do that yet. Got to see him play in the playoffs. Got to see him be someone where teams have to attack him in order for them to beat the Pacers, right? It's kind of like a similar situation to um, what's another really good player uh, that's up and coming. I was thinking about him yesterday. Lamelo. Lamelo, maybe. If we're just talking about people that need to prove themselves in the playoffs, that was that was the first guy I thought of. Uh, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Oh, SGA. That's a good. That's a good one. Yep, SGA. That's who I was thinking of. Yeah, SGA. He's definitely had. Um, I mean, he's been he's been so poised and making so many amazing plays for the Thunder. But he's not necessarily a guy that you need to shut down in order to beat the Thunder. But that's just simply because the Thunder are pretty weak outside of SGA. They're still developing. So as the Thunder continue to get better and they start beating more and more teams, then all of a sudden they're going to have to adjust their game plan to try and shut down SGA. And that's where we're going to find out where SGA is within those, you know, if he makes like the top 10 players in the league, because he is really special. And he's actually, um, he's actually coming up on my list here. Spoiler alert. Okay. But yeah, as, as far as um, Tyrese Halliburton, yeah, he's going to fall just outside of the top 10 for me. He's going to be my honorable mention. Okay, we'll go, and we'll go back to some of those honorable mentions here in a second once we finish the list. My number seven, Preston, it's my turn. I have De'Aaron Fox. You mentioned his name at number 10. So I didn't have him you know, too much higher than you, but I, I do think he's got he's to be up in that, in that range. And going on what you said, I mean, he took a major step this year. I feel like once he, uh, once he cut his hair, he, like, he just became like a beast, man. Uh, a couple years ago. Uh, and like the B, man, Sacramento was the third seed in the West this year. They had a special run. They gave the Warriors a really good fight in the first round. They went up 2-0. And there was a point where I thought, wow, maybe Sacramento might win this series. That was honestly probably the the most competitive and, and most exciting series of the playoffs this year with Steph and De'Aaron Fox were doing for their teams. 
you know, of course, Draymond stomping on Sabonis. I mean, there was just so much stuff that happened in that series. Uh, but De'Aaron Fox, he elevated his team in the playoffs too. So you got to factor that in. He didn't just ball out in the regular season. He did it when it mattered in the playoffs. And Steph Curry just went crazy in game seven. I mean, he put up 50 points. He shot like 38 shots. Like, what are you going to do about that? Right? Like they lost to the defending champs. You can't knock De'Aaron because of that. So I got him at number seven. My number seven is James Harden. We all know who James Harden is, what happened in the in this year's playoffs, and what's going on right now in Philadelphia. The reason why I have him at number seven, and like at least in front of these guys that I've listed so far, and the reason why I don't have him higher is because he completely changed his role in Philadelphia, right? Became a facilitator, put up good numbers this year, the reason why I don't have him higher is because he had that one great game. He had, he had a great game one against Boston and then just disappeared afterwards. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him get leaped next year, depending on where he, he ends up landing and how he ends up playing, if he even makes the playoffs next year. Because remember, if he's trying to go to Houston, he goes to Houston, they're probably not going to make the playoffs next year. So wouldn't be surprised to see fall out of the ten, uh, out of the top 10 next year. He's definitely trending down. But for right now, I feel like seven is a good spot for him. Yeah, he's getting older. So, I mean, that that makes a lot of sense. I'll talk about James Harden here in a second. You guys all know he's coming up on my list pretty soon. Uh, but Preston, it is back to your turn. So don't get too comfortable here. We got number six. Who do you got coming in at number six right ahead of James Harden? Yeah, number six. This is where I've got SGA. Now, you guys might think this is a little low for him. I mean, this guy finished fifth in MVP voting this year, put up phenomenal numbers. For First Oklahoma team All-NBA, man. First team All-NBA. But like I said, I, I just got to see it in the playoffs. I got to see him as a guy where they got to try and lock him down in order to beat the Thunder. And that necessarily hasn't been the case yet. You know, teams will kind of come in and, and play the Thunder a little bit softer maybe come in and, and underestimate them a lot of the time. And that's how uh, OKC got a bunch of their wins this past year. But I got to see him as a guy that they have to take out if teams want to beat the Oklahoma City Thunder. Yeah, SGA was ranked, I think, fifth or sixth best shooting guard for me last year. I think this was the first year he kind of really took that point guard role. Like this year, he was the true point for Oklahoma City. I mean, they can kind of run a bunch of different lineups. You know, you could run Giddy anywhere between one through four. I mean, that's just like the range he has because of his size. So it, it kind of all depends. I feel like when they're at their best, you're going to run SGA at the one, Giddy at the two, Jalen at the three, and then the four is probably going to be, or the five would be Holmgren. Uh, or you could run Lou Dort at the three, but Lou Dort mostly comes out off the bench. So that's why I put Jalen Williams at the three. So I guess the four would be Pokachevsky, or you could throw Isaiah Joe in there. I mean, I don't know. They got a bunch of different players they can kind of rotate in. Uh, but I feel like when they're at their best, SGA is their one and Josh Giddy would be there too. So we'll just have to see how it goes. But he he's really turned into a true point guard. So I like that ranking for him. I'm just I'm surprised. I thought you would have had him in the in the top five, but I guess you kind of spoiled it when you were talking about need to see more in the playoffs. So I understand your criteria there. Number six for me. You just mentioned his name not too long ago, James Harden. We knew it was coming up at this point. I feel like this is a perfect spot for him. I, I had to take Kyrie off of my my top 10 and put him at the shooting guards because I know we had to we were talking about that. So Kyrie Irving is in oh, our so we guard. actually did we actually did end up putting him at shooting guard. Yeah, I thought that's what we decided on. No, I was saying he could be a shooting guard. 
I just I went ahead. But and I still him. had him at point guard. Okay. Okay. I, I, I I'll keep him at point guard. Um, you can keep him at shooting guard. Okay. Well, then you can just throw one everyone up one, right? You can have like then that means Tyrese Halliburton would be right at ten. Everyone goes up a spot, right? All right. Yeah, we can do that. Okay. At least you guys kind of know. I mean, we you kind of know where these guys fall. We're in the same realm here. Uh, so yes. I did spoil it. Kyrie Irving is actually not in my top 10 point guards. I put him at shooting guards. And that's because, yes, he's a point guard. But in Dallas now, he's going to be playing the two. Luka runs the point. So that's why I'm ranking him at two. Where was I at? Oh, James Harden. Yeah, back to James Harden. I had him at number six. And yeah, look, I think what's really impressive about James Harden is changing your role is not easy. He was always, you know, an ISO type player, a guy that plays the two, a guy who can score. He facilitated the offense, but he was a scorer. And in Philly, he turned into a different type of role. And Tyrese Maxey's really a one. He plays the two there, but Tyrese is going to be a really good point guard when it's all said and done. Uh, and, and people don't understand how young he is. He's only 22 years old and he hasn't really played that well in the playoffs, but he's so young. I mean, he's six months younger than Preston and I'm what, six months older than you, Preston. So like that's, he's almost a, he's like a whole year younger than me, but yeah, James Harden, uh, I think a lot of it for him is availability. I mean, he, you know, if you look back at the games the past few years, I mean, he only played 58 games this year. He got traded from Brooklyn to Philly the year before. Uh, so I think he played like 60 something games. I think it was like 60, 65 games or something like that the year before when he was traded between Brooklyn and Philly. Only played 36 the year, bu- the year before in Brooklyn. Of course, he was hurt in the playoffs up and down. And then, uh, at that point, yeah, he was still in his prime. I mean, you go back to the bubble, 68 games, 78 games. So it's like the older he gets, the more injury prone he gets. And I feel like he's kind of in that realm of like top 20, top 25-ish NBA players. Not going to be a top 10 player anymore at this point in his career, but he plays a lot of minutes. You look at his whole career, right? Like 37, 36.6. I mean, and this is not just in Houston. Like this is on those Brooklyn teams, the Philly teams. He plays a lot of minutes. So I think the role he's at in his career where he's a facilitator slash point guard, like he's, it's better on his body. And I agree with you, Preston, if you're going to knock him because like, you know, that game one versus Boston, he played like prime Harden and then kind of disappeared. You can lower him on the list because of that, because in the past, it's not like the older he gets, the worse he plays in the playoffs. Like this has been a problem for James Harden in the past. He's a phenomenal regular season player. He's won an MVP before. He's probably been robbed of an MVP before. But what do you do in the playoffs? And he has tend to be a guy that has disappeared too often in the playoffs. And not that this affects his ranking or anything, but I thought I'd mention it. He is a diva, right? Why does he want to leave Philly? I mean, that's a whole nother conversation, but just stuff like that is is something I need to bring up because like you have everything going for you in Philly and you want to leave. Oh, you can bring up the coach as an excuse, but Nick Nurse is well capable of coaching this team. I feel like maybe you don't see the vision for Nick Nurse, but Doc Rivers was a guy that a very outdated coach who always loses in the playoffs and especially in the big moments too. So he's gone. Why not want to, you know, trust the process a little bit more? I mean, you've only been in Philly one full year. Give it some time. You didn't give it some time in Brooklyn, but Brooklyn was had its own problems. You were in Houston all those years when you were at the prime of your career, but I don't know. I just feel like he's a guy that if he bought a little bit more into the system and trust what a team was building, he could be a lot better than he actually is. So that's that's what I think. You have anything else to add to that? Tyrese Maxey's going to run the show better anyways. So 
Yeah. I actually think Philly's in a good spot right now, and hopefully they're able to get a decent trade for Harden. Yeah. Uh, so that's who I have, James Harden at number six. Did you say your number six? Oh, that was SGA, right? Yeah, that was SGA, or it was SGA, but then um, I removed Kyrie and slid everybody up. Okay. So it was Harden, and then I, that means I got SGA at five now. Okay. All right. Well, uh, it is my turn, so I'm just going to keep talking here. Number five, I got uh, a guy who was ranked four for me last year, and that was John Morant. Now, John Morant, we all know how special of a player he is. There's not a lot of players you would take over him. He's in that top 10 to 15 range of NBA players overall, but it's just kind of like what went on this year with the whole drama with the gun and everything. And uh, I question his maturity a little bit, if that could affect his play. And he's going to be suspended for the next 25 games of the season. So if you're going to be ranking your NBA point guards going into next season, you'll probably drop because of that reason, which is fair. I mean, he's going to miss a little bit of time. So, uh, but I mean, he's definitely a top five talent at point guards, his athleticism, his will to just go to the basket and get every bucket. He's not the best three-point shooter. That's not his game. Uh, but if he can develop that over time, he's going to be really special. Kind of a younger prime D. Rose. Hopefully, he doesn't go down uh, that path of you know having all those injuries. But he's got some pretty close ones there with with getting you know seriously injured. I mean, he he's very reckless with the basketball. You know, watching the playoffs in the first round versus AD and the Lakers, like. He tried to posterize him just for the highlight play. Like, you don't need to be doing all that, man. Like, why are you trying to dunk on on seven-foot AD, like, running to the rim? Like, you don't got to do that. Like, I know you're trying to go for every highlight play you can, but don't be so reckless with the ball. And, man, stay off social media, bro. Like, just, like, if this dude could just play a little bit smarter, stay off social media for a whole year. Just completely lock into basketball be focused on 100% what you're doing. It, it's kind of scary how good he can be because the talent and everything else is there. I mean, looking back at what he did against the Warriors last year in the playoffs, I think he tied Kobe and LeBron for like the youngest players to score like almost 50 points in a playoff game. I mean, he was he's already one of the youngest to score 40 points in a playoff game. We know the talent's there. It's just going to be the distractions and the injury concerns of how reckless he plays is what's going to hold him back. But I think five is a good spot. Yeah, number four, I've got John Morant. Once again, I agree with everything you said. This dude, hey, he's the closest thing we got to Kobe in this league right now. Some people say Devin Booker just because, you know, play style and what we've seen from him in the past, but John Morant's got that dog in him. He's got that dog in him, and he's got to figure it out off the court, but he gets it figured out off the court. Hopefully, D-Rose can be a good mentor um, for him in Memphis. And he can get get it figured out off the court because, man, he could he, he he could be an MVP and an NBA champion if he figures it out, especially with what they got going on in Memphis right now. Yeah. Okay. My number four, Damian Lillard. He's got to be in the top three to four point guards in the NBA, regardless of how you feel for him. Like, look, a whole different conversation about how he's handling this whole staying in Portland situation, if he's ever going to leave, if he's ever going to demand a trade. He should at this point, but that's a whole different conversation. Damian Lillard is a special talent and, you know, getting older, but I feel like he's right at the prime of his career. Like, I feel like he's at his peak right now. So, I mean, honestly, if he really like values winning, he should be at that point where, okay, I'm like, what, 31, 32 years old. Like, why don't I try to go to a contender and try to go win a championship while my play is still at the highest it can be? Uh, I'm at the peak of my game. Why not? 
So, yeah, I mean, he was three last year for me. He's number four. I guess you guys know who's going to be number three for me, but I got Damian Lillard at number four here. You got any thoughts on that? Nope. At number three, I got Damian Lillard. Our lists are pretty much the same, except just Tyrese Halliburton's changed. So I don't know why you were like copied off my list, but that's not cool, bro. Whoops. Yeah. Damian Lillard, you got to give him his props. You got to give him his respect. Dude's phenomenal. Now, clearly he's going to be in the top four. Like you said, the separators to me is always just going to be the playoffs because that's when it really matters. I mean, until the NBA, you know, shortens the season, finds ways to make regular season games like more competitive. I'm not going to weigh the regular season heavily. I'm just not. And there's nothing you can say to convince me otherwise. Literally nothing. I'm not going to weigh the regular season that heavily. Dame has shown us like who he is um, in the playoffs. He's shown us how he's been able to elevate his game and elevate his teams throughout, you know, all these years. And hopefully wherever he goes, you know, if he stays in Portland or he leaves, it gives him an opportunity to get a rank because like, this is the type of guy when Steph Curry was out and he was injured, we were legit talking about like how, like he'd be the face of the league. He'd be the face of the league if it wasn't for Steph Curry. So got to keep him there. Got to keep him in the top three for me. Well, I got number three. This might seem high for you, Preston. I got Shea Gilgis Alexander at number three. Uh, First team all NBA. God, man. Averaging over 30 points per game. He's crazy, man. Uh, I I said last year that a lot of people don't realize how special of a player he is right now. And this is before we made that big jump is because Thunder is such a small market team. Like they don't, they don't televise Thunder games, but hopefully as the, as they get better and, and they continue to, you know, get these high draft picks over the years. They become a fun team to watch and they go back to the, you know, the baby thunder that we had, you know, with James Harden and KD and Russ back in the day. So, yeah, I hope they they turn into that type of team again. Uh, but for right now, they're still a team that's developing. And SGA, he led them to 40 wins, got them a playing spot, didn't make the playoffs, but they're on the up, man. They're on the come up. So if you want to say he's too high, I'm just going to say, hey, man, he was first team all NBA for a reason. Screw y'all. <laughs> Number two, I got Luca, runner up for best point guard in the league. Uh, you're smiling at me. <laughs> I remember last year, Preston, I had him number one, and that shocked you. That, that kind of pissed you off. You told me that having Luca over Steph Curry was premature. So uh, I'm not having Luca over Steph Curry this year. I have Luca number two. Look, Luca might have had a better year than Curry this year, but I feel like the last month and a half, Really, when Kyrie got to the team, Luca's play really declined. And I think it was a mixture of having to play with another ball dominant player like Kyrie Irving, but also just, I, I feel like just being exhausted. There was a point in December where he was just carrying this Mavs team and he was like, it, it, you, you thought it wasn't going to be sustainable. Like he put up a 60 point triple double against the Knicks and they won in overtime. Like a player should not have to do that for his team. Uh, and then just kind of like his energy, like when Kyrie got there, it just kind of like derailed and he wasn't playing like the MVP candidate that he was, you know, the first half of the season. And it just kind of looked like he was out of it. And I heard there was, I mean, I'm not trying to say this is an excuse, but I heard there were some personal problems going on, you know, back at home with him. And you could tell like just the way he was playing. And it's not like he was just 
playing bad, but the energy and the, and the effort was just so low, like not getting back on defense. And it, it just like, why are you playing this way? So he's going to have to adjust his game. I understand that. Uh, hopefully the Mavs continue to keep building a roster around him. I know Preston doesn't like Mark Cuban's philosophy here and Jason Kidd, like they need to fire him. I, I understand that, but there was a noticeable difference with how Luca played before Kyrie got there. Now, is that the Kyrie Irving effect? Maybe, but the energy and the demeanor of Luca was off the last month and a half of the season. So that's why he's not the best point guard in the NBA to me. We know who number one is, but I got Luca at number two. I'm assuming that's where you have Luca too. Yeah, I have Luca at number two as well. I was hoping you were going to put him at number one. Sounds to me like you were calling him a bit of a crybaby. Maybe he is, but I think it might have been warranted because. Man, hey, go back and watch those last few games of the season where the Mavs started like spiraling down. Luca was just not like his energy level was just completely different. Yeah, definitely. Um, I saw that as well. Kind of disappointed me a bit. I'd like to say you can't really blame him, but that's not the type of standard I hold players who are as capable as Luca is. I hold them to a higher standard, especially when it comes to their response to certain situations that are occurring in their careers or even occurring in their lives, because that's just the type of standard we hold those type of players to. I mean, look at the standard we hold LeBron James to. In my opinion, we've got to start holding him to that standard. So you always say I have like insane standards for Luca. Do you not hype him up like he's not going to be the best player in the league someday or at least close to it? Like, come on, you've got to start holding to the same standard that you hold LeBron James to. You just do. All right. I've got him at number two. And that's just because Steph Curry is still Steph Curry. And hey, we thought Luca would probably jump him this year. But, you know, Luca pressured the Mavs into, into wanting to get a trade. And the Mavs waited freaking three years. And now all of a sudden the Mavs are stuck with freaking Kyrie Irving. And, you know, they're going to extend him. But, you know, whatever. Yeah. Look, I think, I mean, obviously I'm going to always defend my boy Luca. So I think you're a little too hard on him. Not because of the, this. I know you ha hold him to a high standard, but sometimes you don't factor in that he plays for the Dallas Mavericks and the Dallas Mavericks have done a horrible job surrounding him with talent. Now I'm not saying it's like he's perfect, right? Like he's going to have to change too, but it's really hard for a guy to change when the front office doesn't change. Hey, LeBron James played for the Cavs, bro. LeBron James played for the Cavs. And the Mavs and they, have had better teams than LeBron did early in his career. But LeBron only, like his ceiling was going to the finals and getting swept. That was the farthest they could go. And Luca, the farthest he's gone is the Western Conference Finals. So that's, hey, that's why I hold him to a high standard. I mean, we'll see what the Mavs do. In this Kyrie situation, if it if it works out, obviously with Kyrie, if Kyrie's not with LeBron, it hasn't really worked out in his career. So uh, I don't know, man. I hopefully we can get back and in, in competing. I mean, there if we don't make the playoffs this year, we we got some problems. We we got some major problems if the Mavs don't get back to the playoffs this year. They have to get back to the playoffs. Uh, okay, Preston, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody why Steph Curry is the best point guard in the league? He's put on weight, man. He's gotten strong. He's gotten strong, and he still has the ability to shoot lights out. His development over his career has been absolutely fascinating, and it'll completely change the way trainers train their guards. 
I'm surprised we haven't. I mean, Jamal Murray's probably the closest thing outside of Damian Lillard we've seen to Steph Curry, and that's just talking about these playoffs, obviously. Um, Jamal Murray's got to be more consistent. I'm not saying Jamal Murray is anywhere near the player of Steph Curry. I'm just saying that he was that lights out and he he played a lot like Steph Curry um, in these past playoffs. So super exciting for the future of basketball um, because he, he truly changed the game and we just got to enjoy him over these next several years as he finishes out his career because from Davidson to ankle injuries to going off in the garden to winning those championships and now to keep having to have the, the highest scoring game seven of all time until Jason Tatum, like a week later against the Sacramento Kings. That was, that was pretty special. Yeah. It, it's kind of weird to see that Curry's kind of entered that point where in his career, where he has to carry the warriors. Yeah. You could like, he's always been like the driving force of that, but he's never had to carry this team. And that's because they've been so talented. Well, now Clay's regressing. Now Draymond's regressing. And then, of course, now their roster is regressing and Steph Curry's getting older. So Steph Curry had to really take that, that initiative to, okay, well, I have to be that guy. I have to be elite. I have to score for my team at all wills. I can't just take plays off. I got to be everywhere at, at different points of the court at different times. And he did that, man. He did that in a playoff series where they were down 2-0 and he did it against the Lakers too. I know. And the Lakers just- And the Celtics in the finals. Yeah, and he did it against the Celtics in the finals. We saw flashes of it last year. If if a player can do that at age 35, he's the best. I think he's the best he's been in his career. Um, simply because of the points you stated, though. Because he's never had to do this before. Um, and now he's showing that, you know, all of us back when Kevin Durant was on the team, and even before KD was there, we were saying how we gave so much of the credit to the Warriors and took away from Steph Curry because Steph Curry didn't win those finals MVPs. He didn't have to win those finals MVPs for them to win the championship. Now, if they want to win, in, uh, like if they wanted to beat Boston, he had to be the finals MVP. He stepped up and he did that. And he's now he's continuing to build off that even, even to this day. It's, it's pretty phenomenal. I think he's the best at his age right now. It's impressive that it really feels like he's in his prime. Yeah, and also, like, what's it called? He should have won the Finals MVP uh, the second year they won the championship with KD. KD, that was KD's award the first year he went with the team and won the championship, but the second year, KD had one bad... It, this was the year that they swept the Cavs, and uh, LeBron's last year in Cleveland, they swept the Cavs, and Steph Curry had one bad game. It was game three in Cleveland. He had one bad shooting night, and they gave the Finals MVP to KD because of that. That was Steph Curry's award. So I, I can't believe it took that long for him to win the finals MVP last year. He should have won it in 2018. So that, that's all I got to say about there. Uh, so that's our point guard list. So final, I got Jalen Brunson, Jamal Murray, Tyrese Halliburton, De'Aaron Fox, James Harden, John Morant, Damian Lillard, SGA, Luka, Steph Curry, Preston. If I, if I remembered, if I try to guess here, you had Tyrese Halliburton now because he moved up a spot. What, De'Aaron Fox, Jalen Brunson, Jamal Murray, James Harden, SGA, John Morant, Damian Lillard, Luca, Steph. Nice. Yep. Okay. A uh, couple honorable mentions. Uh, we don't really have to break down their game too much, but uh, some guys that have gone unnoticed. I mean, I had Trey Young 
and Drew Holiday as my next two guys up. I was, you know, flip-flopping between those two. Uh, I also We threw- were so high on Trey Young, like, last year and the year before. Dude, Trey Young was seven for me last year. Yeah, we were so high on him. Dude, he just had a really bad, bad year in terms of defense and efficiency. I was thinking, okay, he's got to be top 10, but it's like he did not have a better year than a guy like Tyrese Halliburton. He didn't have a better year than a guy like Jalen Brunson. And at this I point, just, like he's not better than yeah. Jamal Murray. I thought we all thought the the Hawks would be better this year. Um, like I, f- I feel like looking at their roster, they should have been better this year. It just, I don't know if it was the coaching. I don't know. Maybe Trey Young can't play alongside other talented players. I don't know. Maybe he just elevates trashy teams. I don't know. Yeah, I think a lot of it had to do with coaching. And, you know, keep in mind, they fired Nate McMillan, what, like two days after the All-Star break? So it was an adjustment for Trey Young and having to deal with another backcourt stud and DeJounte Murray, who was a ball-dominant player. I mean, it's it's not going to be easy to gel well with your teammate right away. So I just think they need another year. I think I expect him to be a lot better this year. It was just a down year in terms of efficiency and defense. So you have to knock him a little bit. But I think no doubt about it, he's has the talent to be a top 15, a top 20 NBA player in the league, no doubt about it. Who was your, who was your 12? Did you have Drew Holiday? Yeah, Drew Holiday would have been uh, at 11 for me. I didn't have Trey Young above him. Oh, okay. I actually did 15 because I, I just like throwing players up there. Uh, so I had Trey Young, Drew Holiday, CJ McCollum. I had CJ McCollum. CJ McCollum, that's right. Yeah. Because you were talking about having him at point guard instead of shooting guard. Yeah, he was my 10th shooting guard last year. I have him at point guard this year. Uh, because really Herb Jones plays the two for them and CJ has ran the point. So CJ at 13, that just shows you how stacked the position is. Uh, 14, I had Darius Garland. I didn't like the way he played in the playoffs, but he's getting better. I think he's in that top 15 range. And right at number 15, I had a guy who was ranked number eight for me last year, but you got to get back on the court. LaMelo Ball, he played 36 games this year, struggled with injuries. The Hornets were terrible. If he continues to develop... And the Hornets continue to, you know, develop as a franchise. He's a top 10 talent, but we just got to see more. I mean, he only played 36 games this year. So, all right. So let's go ahead and move on into the shooting guards, the point guards, most stacked position in the NBA. Preston and I, list was a little similar, had a little bit of confusion with Kyrie Irving. We had to bump some people up. Uh, but the shooting guards in the NBA, I mean, you got some really high level scores. You got a lot of young talent. And then you got some guys who play a little bit off positions. What I mean, like Paul George, he's really a forward, but he plays the two guard. You know, you got Anthony Edwards, who he's a guard, but he can be viewed as sometimes as a forward as well. So, I mean, the criteria for some of these lists can get a little crazy. We did kind of talk before this. And so we're probably going to have similar guys on this list too. Be interested to see what Preston's top five is. I think his is going to be a little bit different than mine. Uh, But I guess we'll see how it goes. So Preston, number 10, let's go ahead and get right on into it. I'll start this time. I got Desmond Bain. I think he's a really good two-way player. May seem a little high. I think he took a leap this year. Specifically, he took a leap in terms of how much volume he got for the Memphis Grizzlies because his first few years in in the NBA, he was more of just a reliable three-point shooter. But now he's really more of a second option. And now, a lot of the praise is on John Moran. I mean, that's his team, and he's going to get all the recognition. But I think Bain's a really good two-way player, and I think he's a good number two option. He's one of the best shooters in the NBA, uh, can play really good defense, 
And I mean, he's kind of built different. I mean, you know, he has a really weird frame. He's got like kind of like that stocky short arm frame. Uh, but I, I feel like he's really efficient and I like the jumps he made this year. So I think he comes in right at number 10. I don't think he could be much higher than that. Some people had him like top seven. I was like, ah, that's a little too high for me. Uh, if he can continue to make that jump as a score, he'll continue to rise on the list. But for now, I got him at number 10. Yeah, I like Desmond Bain. Um, but right now, I don't have him in my top 10. Not just yet. He just got paid. He's got to show that once you get paid, now you got to live up to the hype. Like it's a, It's different when you get paid. When you're grinding, like you're have a chip on your shoulder, like you, you want that big contract. Now, when you get it, that chip is gone. Now we're going to see what you're made of. Yeah. So after this season, I can definitely see him in my top 10. But for right now, at number 10, I have Clay Thompson. Yeah. Yeah. Clay Thompson was actually my first honorable mention. So it was between him and, and Desmond Bain. Yeah. I can't knock you for putting Clay over him. That, I mean, that's, that's definitely the, the veteran and, and re- respect factor there in Clay Thompson's part. So I, I got to respect it. How do you feel about Clay at this point in his career? Cause I know, you know, he's had those two injuries back to back years. He came back. It took him a little bit to get his groove going. Seemed like this year was better than last year. Uh, but now he's, he's kind of at that point of the year. He's getting older. Uh, you know, it's Curry's team. Curry has to carry and Clay can't really be that elite. I mean, he can be an elite score, but can he consistently be that driving force of the offense with Curry? And I don't know if he can be at this point in his career. What do you, how do you kind of view Clay Thompson at this point? Yeah, he's 33. He's gone through the ringer with injuries. It's going to depend on, you know, his body. Everything is going to depend on his body because we know his shot's there. It's just, can he play the level of defense that he needs to be able to play that he, not necessarily that he used to be able to play, but like just well enough to continue to help the Warriors out. As far as the shooting goes, it's been streaky. I think the shooting is going to get better. It's just creating separation when he needs to, to get those shots off. Cause we know he can hit standstill threes. We know, we know yeah. that it's, can he get great separation? Can he make plays off the dribble when he needs to throughout certain sequences of the game? Can he be a, a really good chess piece for the Warriors? Could he potentially have a, a better year because he's got now another year of being healthy under his belt? Yes. You got to remember, like, these guys went to how many straight finals? Like, that. that is wear and tear on your body. They basically played, like, an extra season or two compared to the rest of the league with all those uh, extra playoff games. So, Clay Thompson, we'll see what ends up happening. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. And, and you know, of course, his impact on the defensive end can really go unnoticed. I mean, all those years that they went to the finals and they won it, they had a top five defensive rating unit in the NBA. And the year that they didn't have it, they didn't win it. So you got to give credit to the backcourt of not just being able to create shots and be the splash bros with Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, but their defensive rating has always been really good. Steph Curry, I don't think, gives enough credit for his defense. He's not the strongest guy in the world, but I mean, I, I think he's an underrated defender. Uh, I think he's been that way. His he's whole strong now. He's yeah. strong now. Don't get me wrong. He's strong compared to a lot of these guys in the league now. And he's quick too. Add that to how good he is offensively. It just kind of makes him overall the best point guard in the league, which we talked about, you know, not too long ago. Number nine, Preston, it's your turn. Who do you got sliding in right here over Clay Thompson? I've got Ant. I've got, I really like Ant. He's just stuck in Minnesota. What, you feel like that's low? Yeah, that's low for me, man. That's crazy. 
Hey, listen, that, that, that spikes up Min- the list. Yeah, listen, he's in Minnesota. He's still got a lot to prove. He hasn't shown that he can win games yet. So can he take the next step that he needs to take and step into a leadership role? Or is he continue to, to be backseat to this current culture that the Timberwolves have with their three big men? We'll see what happens. Wow. Okay. Well, coming in at number nine for me is DeJounte Murray. This year for him, it was more off ball because of course that's Trey Young's team, right? He's going to run the offense. And so he's had to turn into more of an off ball player and he's played the two this year. Last year, I had him, I think, ranked nine or 10 on my point guard list. He he turned into a number two this year in Atlanta. Now, in terms of, I guess, his like playmaking skills this year, I think they took a step back because he's had to be that off ball type player in Atlanta. But as a score, I think he really took a big step forward this year. I think this was the best year of his career in terms of scoring alongside Trey Young. Uh, and, you know, of course, you got to give him credit. He's not just a, a good offensive player. He's a good defensive player as well. So, yeah, Atlanta is kind of in a weird situation. I feel like they're kind of like the Mavs of the East where they're going to build around Trey and DeJounte. And same with the Mavs. The Mavs are going to build around Luka and Kyrie. And it's just going to be about... Can they build the depth? Can they build the bench, you know, and the continuity to get where they're going to go? Because Atlanta is just kind of seems like they're they're holding on Trey Young and DeJounte to carry the load. And I just don't know in such a stacked Eastern Conference that they're going to be able to win a championship off of that. Trey Young has played elite in the playoffs. Uh, he had an inefficient year this year, but he's played elite in the playoffs. Uh, even this year, you know, he won a couple games. He stole a couple games in Boston, had that big game winner. Uh, and he's been to the Eastern Conference Finals. I just don't know that if you can win a championship with those two guards in the backcourt. But I guess we'll see how they structure their their uh, roster moving forward. But I got DeJounte at number nine. Yeah, DeJounte was actually my honorable mention. Great point guard last year. Got to learn how to play the two a bit better. The Hawks have to be a lot better defensively. So for right now, I can't really put him that high just because they, he's still learning the position. Fair enough. Number eight. Uh, I don't know if this is going to seem low for you, Preston, but I got I got Bradley Beal sliding here at number eight. Yeah, I know you're 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 giving me that face. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Bradley Beal is a guy that can get you thirty a night any day of the week. But I mean, Preston, maybe I'm crazy, but outside of his scoring ability, like what what does he do that's all special? Like I think he's a pretty solid defender. I think he's a okay defender like he's pretty average defender nothing special but when i look at some of these other shooting guards ahead of him i just think they're all around better consistent shooting guards i don't think bradley bill is gonna get 30 a night all the time anymore and we'll see how his role changes in phoenix he might play a point guard role with devin booker maybe he'll be more of a team guy but i just feel like he's kind of turned more one-dimensional and obviously he's a consistent efficient scorer but I, I don't know. It ju- it just kind of feels like the effort and the one dimensional offensive play has just kind of really derailed him. I, I just think his best days are behind him. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe that seems crazy to you, but that's just kind of how I feel about Bradley Bill at this point in his career. He didn't trust his teammates in in Washington. That's what it was. That's why you don't see him making plays for other guys because the culture in Washington is just not there. So we'll see what happens in, in Phoenix. And apparently he's going to be playing the point guard position. So Bradley's going to need to be more than a scorer this year. 
Yeah, I was wondering how they were going to do that, if they were going to have Book run the one or Beal run the two. Yeah, I feel like Booker at, staying at two is is probably the smart move. Honestly, I could see Booker could probably play the three. Maybe he'll prove me wrong this year. Maybe he'll just expand his game in a new system. I don't know. Like I said, we talked about the Suns a little bit. Frank Vogel is very defensive-minded, uh, and they're going to be an offensive <laughs> offensive team. So I think they're running them at the point, so that way they – aren't undersized and that way he can guard the point guards the book and Katie can do their thing. So I think they're going to try and make Bradley a, a two way player. You probably feel the same way about ant as I feel about bill. Like, I guess the situation matters a lot and you know, bill's obviously not going to win anything in, in Washington Ant's not going to win anything in Minnesota. Yeah, the, the reason I have Beal as high as I do though, is because, or at least higher than you is because he's a proven veteran. He's yeah. done it in the playoffs. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, well, who you got sliding in at number eight here? Uh, sliding in at number eight, I have Tyrese Maxey. I love Tyrese Maxey. I think in Philadelphia, they need to build him and Embiid to be the next, like, Shaq and Kobe. Like, I'm not saying Tyrese and Kobe, but I'm saying he can be Kobe-like at the point guard position where – he can he can be that guy to get Embiid going and also get himself going, and I think he's going to have a breakout year this year, especially with uh, if they move James Harden. Yeah, wow, that's higher than I thought. Uh, I feel like Tyrese is really going to take the next step. He's super young; he's only twenty two years old, and he's had some pretty good playoff experiences now, uh, being on the Seventy Sixers. Now, I think he's going to take his game to the next level. Honestly, he's really a point guard. Uh, and once Harden leaves there, his role will turn into a point guard. Uh, right now, he's a two. So honestly, I think Preston, once he becomes that number one, I, I think he's he's going to take the next step. I don't think he's quite there yet, though. Uh, I, I need to see more from him in the playoffs. I think he's unproven. Uh, but dude, like I said, he's so young. He's 22 years old. Well, I think he's there. He just hasn't had the opportunities. That's why I'm so high on him. And the opportunities he's had, he's taken full advantage of. He's hey, he's gonna step up even more though when he becomes that point guard for them. Exactly. Exactly. His game's gonna go, it's gonna expand so much. They they need to have a similar situation to Murray and and uh and Jokic. Like they need to be able to play make off and beat, and they need Maxi to be able to to score in spurts to to keep the the opposing team's defense off balance. Yeah. In terms of upside, I'd put him up there, but I, I have him in my honorable mention. I had him as my second honorable mention, so Hey, if he does what we think he can, he'll he'll be there very soon. Number seven, Preston, it's your turn. Who do you got? I feel like we might have the same one here. I've got Zach Levine. I do too. Yeah. 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 I've got Zach Levine. I got Zach Levine. Yeah. I feel like that's like the perfect spot for him. He can't go too too he can't go higher than that. He can't go lower than that. He's kind of in a similar situation too. He needs to get out of Chicago, man. I feel like he should go somewhere else. Well, I think he's a problem in Chicago. You think I don't so? Think he's a good locker room guy. It's it's kind of hard with him and DeRozan. I feel like Zach could really benefit. Like Demar is still a star, but he's aging. So I don't know. I think he j- I think he needs a reset. Like he he's so flashy and such a really good highlight offensive player. Like he's gonna make a lot of big plays. Uh, I just don't know. It's kind of like Bradley Beal. Like outside of like his flashiness and his ability to score. Like I don't know how much better he is as an overall player. I think Minnesota ruined a lot of young players. They they drafted a ton of guys and didn't have 
any veteran leadership. And I think, you know, that's why Jimmy Butler had such a big problem when he played there for that one year, because all those guys are just like soft and not good teammates, at least for uh, if you want to build a championship team. Not saying they're they're not good teammates in the sense of like they're problematic. They're just not the guys you want to build a, a championship caliber culture. Okay, well, coming in at number six, you mentioned his name at number nine, Anthony Edwards. I got him at number six, right outside the top five. I'm a little higher on him than you are. Look, I kind of feel the same way about Ant as you feel about Tyrese Maxey, that in the sense that he's super young. But what separates him from Maxey is he's already there, in my opinion. I think he's proven that he is already superstar level. What he did in the playoffs this year was absolutely phenomenal. He averaged 32 points against the champions, the Denver Nuggets. And when you watch him play, he was carrying that Minnesota team at every will knowing, hey, I'm going to do everything I can to try to win this series. Even though it was probably pure delusion and he knew they had no chance, he kept talking. When they went down 2-0, okay, we're going to win the next one. They went down 3-0, okay, well, we're not going to get swept. He always had the confidence in himself that they were going to win that series. And he hit that big step back clutch shot to avoid getting swept. And all I got to say is you want those type of guys and those type of players on your team that have that confidence, even if it might seem like pure delusion, you just know that this guy, he has it. And Anthony Edwards has it. Like seriously, he has probably the best upside out of any player in the NBA. Well, maybe not any player in the NBA, but definitely any shooting guard on this list. And I'm pretty confident in saying that. I talked about this with you last year, Preston. He didn't even want to play basketball at one point. Like there, He wanted to be a football player. And he, when he came into the draft, it was all based on like his pure talent. That's all it was. He had no experience really as a basketball player. When you look at his game, you're saying, okay, you're going to see a lot of flashy plays, highlight dunks, you know, just big clutch shots. But his efficiency and his shot creation has been a little sus over the years. But I think this year, he he was a little bit more smarter with the way he played basketball. I think his IQ was a little better this year. Of course, you got to bring up the situation. He's in Minnesota. But of course, now he's stuck because he just signed that big contract. Hopefully, down the road, he can get traded to a better situation or you know go sign a big contract somewhere else. He's stuck there. In my opinion, he's going to be the next Damian Lillard. He's going to be one of the best players in the NBA one of the best scorers, but he's not going to win anything. Like his ceiling is going to be like the first or second round of the playoffs at best. And that's all it's going to be in Minnesota. So can't put him any higher because of that reason. I got Anthony Edwards at number six. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I don't mind you having Ant that high. <laughs> like, I, th I think you're probably right about him as a player. But as far as what his level of success is going to be against these other shooting guard and what it has been i don't think it's going to be that high i won't even put him like in a damian lillard conversation just because minnesota is so problematic i mean they've made the playoffs but they've they've had such talented teams and these guys they just i don't know they just they don't want to be like sacrifice levels of their game in order to like start winning basketball games so until a lot of those guys leave, I think, I think Ant's gonna, you know, he's either gonna get really frustrated and demand a trade, which I think he should, or he's gonna fall into that same type of culture and he's gonna be the same type of player, and that's gonna diminish his value. 
and that's going to, you know, diminish his career. At number six, I have Bradley Beal. This is where I had Bradley Beal. Okay. Yeah. Six. I had him at eight, six through eight. I think it's fair. Yeah. I like that. I like that positioning. You got any, any other thoughts on him? No. I think we said what we needed to say there. Yeah, we said what we needed to say. Okay. Well, Preston, who's your number five? This is where it starts getting really elite here with the, the best guards in the, the NBA right here. Yeah, number five, I've got Paul George. I've got Paul George here. I know some people definitely have him higher, but hey, availability is key. Availability is key. And I feel like he's just settled. Him and Kawhi, they're just in L.A., they're doing their thing. They're just playing basketball games. They're not trying to win a championship. Why would I want that? So you think I'm making that face pressing because I'm shocked you put him there? I'm not shocked because you put him too low. I'm shocked that we actually nailed the same pick again. I got Paul George at number five too. I agree with you. Completely agree. He was actually my number one last year. I don't know if you remember that when I was talking to you about it. He was my number one. I think he was my number one last year because I really valued that he was able to you know, miss all that time. He missed like three months last year with an injury, comes back and he puts up like 35 points uh, and wills the Clippers to a play-in. Uh, they ended up losing that game. Of course, they lost to the Timberwolves. That's where the Timberwolves threw a freaking parade, acting like they won the NBA championship uh, in that play-in game. <laughs> hey, you can tell everybody. He's like, you got Pat Bev throwing his shirt off into the crowd. Yeah, uh, that year, uh, I, I really thought, you know, he only played 31 games that year, but... His ability to, you know, get injured, come back, play at such a high level. And then, of course, looking back at what, man, it's already been, God, it's already been like eight years since he had that really, you know, bad leg injury uh, in the summer, you know, back when he was in Indiana. I never, after that, I never thought that he would, I, I questioned if he could come back and play and be like a really good dominant player in the NBA that he once was. And he did. I think his best years were probably, those first two years in OKC, that was probably like as a scorer, that's probably his best years uh, with Westbrook. Uh, and then the Clippers has just been really unfortunate. They haven't been able to stay healthy. Him and Kawhi, you know, it was a big deal when they got both of those guys. But at this point, they're not going to win a championship. And like you said, availability is everything. And Paul George, the last three years or last four years, 56 games, 31 games, 54 games, 48 games, hasn't been able to stay on the court. You got to knock him for that reason. But in terms of two-way presence and uh, his ability to score the ball, he's always been one of the better uh, shooting guards in that in that realm. So you got to keep him in the top five. So I agree with you there. Number four, Preston. I'm, I'm wondering if this is going to shock you. I got I got Spida coming in here at number four. Yeah, look, I, I think I was a little higher on him last year. I think I had him like number two, number three last year. He's been consistently able to make the playoffs and. You're going to look at this list and you're going to be like, how did Spida drop on your list this year? He had you know, probably the best year of his career in Cleveland. He put up 71 points. He led them to the playoffs. In the playoffs, he kind of disappeared. I I got I to factor that in. Uh, I That Cavs team really disappointed me in the playoffs. They were so fun to watch in the regular season. The year before they got Donovan Mitchell, they were a top four seed uh, before they had some injuries. And then they kind of fell apart. This year, they really took a step forward this year. They were about right where I had them in my preseason rankings in the top four seed. They got it, uh, but they got outplayed by Jalen Brunson and the Knicks really badly. They lost in five games. They had a lot of players disappear. You know, some games, Donovan Mitchell would disappear. Other games, Darius Garland would disappear. And then the last few games, the Twin Towers completely disappeared. So 
Donovan Mitchell, I think I question if he can be a number one option on a championship team, but I think the reason he's so special as a player is because he's just been such a consistent offensive player his whole career. I mean, consistently makes the playoffs, like I say, every year. And some of the best scoring outputs I've ever seen on the offensive side of the ball being on a new team in Cleveland. Like he he probably had, well, no, not probably. He did have his best year of his career. So yeah, it does hurt putting him at four, but all these other guys are interchangeable. It's just, can he get over that hump? And uh, there's so many good guards in the league. And I think number four is, is just a fair spot for him. And when you have, when you see these three players I have over him, it's it's kind of like the game of, okay, are they better than Spida? I think they're slightly better than him. So I got Donovan Mitchell at four. I don't know how you feel about that, though. No, I, I actually, I don't mind that. Um, this is actually where I had Kyrie at. Okay. So you, yeah. I had Kyrie here, at least below these guys, simply because he didn't make the playoffs this year. If he makes the playoffs this year and shows us where he's at, then it's a lot easier to put him above these guys. But because of that, I didn't. I wasn't able to put him above them. My number three was Donovan Mitchell. I, I had Donovan, Donovan Mitchell at number three. I 100% agree with everything you said. I think he's just limited by his size. He's a little underside for the two-guard yeah. spot. And I think that's going to hold him back from when being the number one option on a championship team. Okay. Uh, my number three is Jalen Brown. Yeah, so I think he can expand his game uh, if he works on his handles a little bit. Uh, and then in the playoffs, he... I didn't like the way he played in that in that Heat series, you know, going down 3-0. And I think he needed to step up. There was times last year where he was better than Tatum in the playoffs. And then there, this year, there was no question that Tatum was better in the playoffs. So they kind of flip-flopped this past year. Last year, you know, Jalen Brown made some huge plays in the playoffs, was better than Tatum at times, especially in the finals. Uh, you know, of course, Tatum hit some big game winners in those, you know, the semis and the conference finals to help them get to the finals. But Jalen Brown was was really that driving force when Jason Tatum folded under pressure. This year was the exact opposite. Jason Tatum was that guy. He had the most game seven points ever. And big reason why they lost that series uh, was because of Mazula and Jalen Brown not, not uh, making adjustments and stepping up. So, and of course, Jason Tatum got hurt in game seven against the Heat. That game could have been completely different. Uh, so I was a little disappointed in that sense. I think Jalen Brown can expand his game a little bit. We'll see if he gets a max contract in Boston. I think throughout the regular season, he was probably the best shooting guard, if not second best behind Booker, because Booker did miss some time with injury. So I, as a regular season player, I think Jalen Brown was probably the best shooting guard this year. Uh, but when I'm factoring in overall playoffs and everything, I was a little disappointed. Uh, and I think he can expand his offensive game a little bit. So uh, we'll see if he does that. Uh, he's still very young, only 25 years old. So I expect to see more. Sin, you yeah, said I love. Yo, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I love Jalen Brown as well. Uh, and I have him at number two as well. I think he can be the best shooting guard in the league. He's just got to continue to expand his game. I think ditto on everything you said. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm probably a little bit more biased than you uh, with Kyrie Irving. Of course, Kyrie Irving's on the Mavs, so I view him a little bit higher. I had him slightly over Jalen Brown and Donovan Mitchell just because I was I was playing the elimination game. It was like all these guys are interchangeable. And, of course, I've, I think Kyrie's a little bit better because 
I mean, he's got the best handles in the NBA. And I think if, if Jalen Brown can develop his handles, he'll be better than Kyrie because, you know, he's a way better defensive player and he's bigger than Kyrie. So, uh, but I, I have Kyrie slightly over him. A lot of people view Kyrie as a point guard. He really is a point guard, but situation in Dallas, he's the number two because of, uh, of Luka Doncic. So, and Preston, yes, I didn't forget about him. Devin Booker is the best shooting guard in the league. What he's able to do in the playoffs this year, he was probably the best playoff performer this year. I don't think that's ridiculous to say. It was either him or Jimmy Butler. I mean, outside of Jokic, of course. Jokic is the best player in the world right now. But those two guys, it was Devin Booker and Jimmy Butler leading their teams. Uh, you know, of course, KD balled out. Uh, but Devin Booker is the driving force in Phoenix right now, and he's the best shooting guard in the league. I don't like him. <laughs> I think he's he's a crybaby. Uh, but, I mean... Phoenix fans can say the same thing about Luca being a crybaby too. So uh, we're we're all on the same page there. We don't like each other. I don't like them. They don't like me. It's whatever. We can agree to disagree. Devin Booker as a player can't knock him. Best shooting guard in the league. Yeah, Devin Booker was phenomenal in the playoffs this year. Phenomenal. He I was really hard on him the year before because of the way he responded to losing in the finals and the way the Suns responded. But this year was not his fault. He came back. He played a lot better this season, played really well in the playoffs and gave us glimpses of Kobe again because we all feel like he could potentially be like the next closest thing to Kobe because of his play style and because of of the tenacity he can score with sometimes when he gets going. Absolutely. Man, when he gets <laughs> when he gets going, bro, it's it's hard to stop him. I mean, even in that Clippers series, I think it was the the second half of game two. He scored like 18 straight points and that dude was locked in. There was no stopping him. Uh, and and you just kind of knew like, okay, like th- they're not going to lose the series if he keeps playing like this. So got to give credit to Devin Booker. Preston, your honorable mentions uh, were, you said you had Desmond Bain, DeJounte up there. Did you have anybody else that you uh, you wrote down or did you just have like two or three? Because I, I had a couple other guys in there. Of course, I had Clay. I had Tyrese Maxey, uh, and then a couple other honorable mentions that I don't think are quite there, but I have to give them some credit because of, you know, the players that they are. I think Tyler Hero's right there. He's just not quite there yet. Uh, I think Jordan Clarkson, I mean, he was always viewed as a six-man guy. He took a real big step as a scorer this year with Laurie Markkinen in Utah, had to fill a big role, became one of the better offensive-driven guards in the league this year. Anthony Simons, you know, he plays in Portland, took a big step this year. And then you got guys like Jordan Poole too, but I think he kind of had a little bit of a down year, uh, but he's going to have a big chance this year in Washington. So those are some other guys I wanted to mention. Do you have anybody else? Yeah, the shooting guard position is stacked. It's absolutely stacked. I mean, the fact that we didn't mention Jordan Poole this year is kind of insane. Yeah. Washington should be should be a good reset for him. I mean, he's not he's going to be on a horrible team, but he's going to have some big shoes to fill. So he's going to have, I think he's just going to have fun scoring the ball. Hopefully his efficiency can uh, can improve on that team because uh, he's going to have to take a lot of shots for them. The uh, volume is going to be crazy in, in Washington. With But maybe Kuzma coming back will help too, you know? Yeah, it'll probably help uh, Ice Spice not be in there. Oh, God. Jeez, I forgot about that. Let's go ahead and move on into the small forwards. Preston, would you agree with me that the small forwards may be outside of the top half? It could be the weakest position in, in basketball. Yeah, I had the most honorable mentions for this position just because it was really tough to put people in the top 10. There was a lot of players where they didn't feel like top 10 players at their position. 
No, I, I would agree with that. Of course, you have like some of the best players in the league at top five, top four. But once you start getting to the bottom a little bit, it, it starts getting a little bit rough. Okay. Well, Preston, it's your turn. Who do you got right at number 10 for small forwards? Number 10, I have MPJ, Michael Porter Jr. He was really good for Denver this year. Um, I'm glad that they stuck with him and continue to work with him because he was an amazing prospect coming out of high school. Literally just back injuries and just stuff that you hate to go through as with a, a dream of being a professional NBA player. But he stuck with it. He's got a strong family and he's continued to work through it and has found a role in Denver that worked really well for him. And he's gotten on better on both ends of the floor. I know I picked on him a lot for his defense, but he was really good defensively in, the, in this postseason. Yeah, Michael Porter was one of my honorable mentions, and I and I also was just like you, Preston. I have a lot of honorable mentions too, so I'll, I'll be sure to name if you know. There's gonna be if you're like, oh, what about this guy? Probably have him in the honorable mention list. Uh, so he was up there. Number ten. This one might shock you a little bit. I think this player is very underrated. One of the more f- enjoyable offensive players uh, in the NBA to watch, but he's on a terrible team, so it could be a little Mickey Mouse because of the team he's on. Uh, but I have Franz Wagner at number 10. Yeah, Franz is a bucket, bro. He's a bucket, man. Um, I mean, everybody was wondering why scouts were so high on him during the draft process just because he was a good player in college, but he wasn't insane. Like, he was just a freshman. But that Michigan team was really freaking good. Yeah. That Michigan team was good. And he's turned out to be better than even I thought he would be. I thought he was just going to be like, he'd develop into a really good role player eventually. But he's coming out the gate, and he's already making an impact in the NBA. So kudos yeah. to him. Yeah, nearly a 20-point score in the NBA in year two. Uh, got to give him some credit. Number nine, Preston, I'll go ahead and go. I got OG Ananubi. He's one of those guys where I view him. I'm like, is he really top 10 at his position? But it's just it's because it's a little weaker uh, at the bottom half. Probably closer to an honorable mention on any other position. Uh, but I, I just have him right here at number nine. Uh, and I have him slightly over Franz Wagner just because I, he's the best perimeter defender in the NBA. I don't think it's ridiculous to say that. He he will lock you down. And I would love to have him on my team. One of the best 3 and D guys in the NBA. Uh, so I got OG Ananubi right here at number nine. I think he can expand his game offensively, uh, but really good 3 and D wing that I would love to have on my team. Yeah, that's not bad at all. Um, I've got Mikal Bridges. Honestly feels a little low for how good he looked the tail end of the season in Brooklyn. He's just got to continue to do what he's doing, but he can, he can be the best player there and he can be somebody they continue to build around. He's like KD almost. He really is like another KD. He's just got to continue to expand his game. Yeah. No, I have Mikel Bridges at number eight and, and it feels low for me too, because he, he really played phenomenal this year. I think Phoenix I mean, if Phoenix ends up getting a championship with Bill, KD, and Booker, then they're not going to regret letting him go. But he's just so consistent, and he has so much room to grow as a player. And one thing that's so elite about Mikel Bridges is he stays on the court, man. I don't think he's missed an NBA game. If, if, if that, he's missed maybe one or two in his whole career. He is always on the court. You can always rely on him to go in there and play, put up valuable minutes for you, be efficient, and be probably the best three and D guy in the NBA, you know, so got to give Mikhail his props. You have him at number nine. It feels low. I have him at number eight and feels low. It's just the way things work out. So he's going to continue to get better. So that was my number eight. Preston, who do you have at your number eight? At number eight, I have 
uh, Chris Middleton. Now, Chris Middleton literally played like the second coming of Kobe in the final year. That year that Milwaukee won the championship. I mean, my goodness. But Giannis goes out this year, and it's like he went out too. Like, what the hell happened to the Milwaukee Bucks in that Heat series? Like, like Drew Holiday, he, he was being talked about as being like one of the best point guards in the league, like throughout the regular season. Chris Middleton, you know, always he's always been, man, when he's on, he's on, he's ridiculous. They just straight up disappeared, man. Like that that was absolutely crazy to me. Brooke Lopez, runner up for defensive player of the year. I mean, come on, where the hell did all those guys go? I mean, Miami was Miami. Miami was phenomenal. But even they with Miami playing at their best, they a hundred percent should have won that series. hundred percent. hundred percent. You know, Giannis missed two games, but that doesn't take the fact that Middleton and those other guys just they needed to step up when Giannis went down and they did it. I don't have Middleton. I'm just going to say right now, Preston, I don't even have him in my top 10 this year. Uh, and which is crazy to think because he's, he is a top 10 small forward in the NBA, but he's just had so many struggles with injury. And of course he played, like you said, the second coming of Kobe in that finals. Then last year they lost to the Celtics in seven because Middleton missed that series. He was hurt. And then this year Middleton didn't play well. He only, and then he only played 33 games in the regular season. So I had him as my first honorable mention because he he just wasn't able to to play a lot of games this year. Now, if you gave me Chris Middleton from two years ago, if he gets back to that Chris Middleton, 100% top seven, top six, small forward in the NBA. But I had to knock him because of availability and, and how he's performed. So he's still there. Don't worry. He's Yes, he's better than OG Ananubi. He's better than Franz Wagner. But right now he's not. So... Hopefully he can get back to that. I expect the Bucks to have a bounce back year. Okay, my number seven, I got Brandon Ingram. Feels a little low, uh, but just the way things work out, Brandon Ingram, he's a dog. I think he's really expanded his game since he's been in New Orleans. I mean, one of the best bag of tricks in the NBA. I got a lot of good things to say about Brandon Ingram. I know you you probably do too, because you know seeing where he's kind of been from LA to now, he's been one of the better. NBA scores. Yeah, I 100% agree with you there. I've actually got Brandon Ingram at number seven as well. He just needs to put on more size and he needs Zion back. Yeah, he does. With Zion there, it completely opens up his game because all, all eyes aren't on him anymore. You got to be able to see ball and man because Zion gets moving. Now all of a sudden it's a different situation. Yeah, both agree that he's number seven. Okay, Preston, who is your number six? At number six, I got DeMar DeRozan. I think it's a fair spot to put him. Great veteran player. Just later in his career. That's it. And Chicago. Yeah, I have I have him exactly at number six, too. I have DeMar DeRozan. Uh, didn't have quite as good of a year as he did last year with his first year in Chicago. Because last year, holy crap, man. He played phenomenal last year was hitting back-to-back game winners some nights, you know, clutch shots. Of course, he's always viewed as one of the best mid-range, you know, shot creators in the NBA. Uh, but same with Preston said, he's he's getting older and he's in Chicago. So uh, I think six is a good spot for him. I think he's slightly better than Ingram and Mikel, uh, but he's probably going to start regressing just because he's getting older. My number five, oh, Preston, I hate to do it. I honestly hate to do it, but availability is key. Kawhi Leonard comes in at number five. Sorry, man. He just, you have to drop him. You just have to. In terms of like when he plays, 
first of all, he's he's just a robot when he plays there. He like everything he hits, he's automatic. He is locked in every time, and he's going to give you buckets every time. And of course, that two way presence, the best two way player in the NBA. He's going to lock you down on the perimeter. He's going to hit clutch shots when it matters. He's going to hit shots in the mid range. He's going to hit shots from the post. He can really do it all as a player. And honestly, he's a top three player at his position. And he's probably a top 10 player in the NBA, but he can't stay on the court. I mean, that's just facts. You got to knock him. He can't stay on the court. And the Clippers, he's never going to win anything in LA. I got a chance to watch the Clippers play the Warriors courtside in that game where uh, Steph had like 50 points. He was just hitting like these insane shots. I was I was sitting right behind Steve Ballmer, actually. And Kawhi just... He, like you said, he's a robot. He's just, it's, it's almost like he's nonchalant. He's just out there playing basketball. Mm-hmm. He's not, it doesn't feel like he's playing for anything anymore. And so for that reason, you have to knock him. You have to. Yeah. I, I've learned to respect him too. Like I don't even have any problems with Kawhi because the Mavs played the Clippers two years in a row in 2020, 2021 in the playoffs. They lost both years. First year they lost in six. Uh, second year they lost in seven when they were up 2-0. And Kawhi was a big part of why they came back in that series. And honestly, Preston, there was like a lot of players on that that Clippers team that I didn't like. I didn't like Marcus Morris. I didn't like Pat Bev. Like those guys just irritated me the way they were talking crap. Kawhi was a player that I I just watched him play. And even though he was making literally everything against us and, and my team, I wasn't even mad at him. Like I was just like, just kind of laughing and like chuckling because it's like, man, like how, how do you hate on that? How can you hate on somebody that's just that good? So I speak really highly of this player. You know, I I hate to knock him at number five because in all actuality, I think he's better than the next two guys that are ranked above him, but he just can't stay on the court. So that's the way it is. Uh, Number four, Preston, who do you got sliding in? Number four, I got Jimmy Butler. Got to give him his respect. Even though he's not as skilled as like Kawhi Leonard or even some of these other small forwards, he's just, (laughs) he's just a bucket. And he's a he's a winner. He's a winner, straight up. He just knows how to win games, and you got to give him his praise. Yeah. No, I have Jimmy Butler too. Preston, I think we're one, two, three. We're four for four here on on the last the last four mm-hmm. here. We're like right down mm-hmm. the line. Uh, yeah, I got Jimmy Butler too. Look, he's one of those guys that he doesn't give a damn in the regular season, and he's okay if the Heat are going to come in as an eight seed. They did it this year. He don't care. When it's playoffs, it's time to turn up, and he's going to turn up every single time. Again, a lot of these players are like good two-way players, like Kawhi Leonard, two-way player, uh, Mikel Bridges, two-way, OJ and Anubi, two-way, and Jimmy Butler. So, you know, a lot of these players are so good because they're good on both sides. So, all right, Preston, number three, number three, number three, number three. So we all know at this point who the three players are here. We know who they are. The question is, where are they ranked? Where are they ranked? I might get some hate here. I got LeBron sliding in at number three. Look, I I can't speak enough about LeBron, how great he is all time as a player. And of course, last year he won the scoring title. This year he got the most points. He passed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you know, got the most points ever in NBA history. Uh, But I, I view Anthony Davis as the number one option. Uh, in LA at this point. And I think if LA wants to win a championship, AD's got to be their best player. I just think that's where they're at at this point. Uh, of course, it's hard with AD. You know, he's a ticking time bomb on getting hurt. Uh, but I think 
AD has has to fill that role in the playoffs if they want to win an, another championship and get past Denver. Uh, LeBron, of course, he's going to score. He's going to go out there. He's going to give you 28, 9, and 9 a night. Just got to knock him a little bit because he's he's older. Uh, and I think at this point, these two players ahead of him are better than him at this point. Not not by a lot. It's really close. Uh, LeBron is still viewed as a top 10, top 5 to 10 player in the NBA, no doubt about it. But I have LeBron in terms of overall small forwards. At this point, I got him number three. Uh, so I don't know if that shocks you a little bit, Preston, but I got LeBron at number three. No, it doesn't surprise me at all because I've got LeBron James at number three as well. You were spot on. I don't view AD as the number one option simply because LeBron's who we went to in the fourth quarter of those games. But LeBron doesn't have the gas tank to be able to be that guy for us in the fourth quarter anymore. He doesn't. He's just – father time is catching up to him. Um, and in that in that Denver series, we played amazing three through three quarters every single game. Amazing through three quarters. And it was just the fourth quarter where they were able to separate because LeBron wasn't able to be LeBron in those fourth quarters. So AD needs to be that guy for us that we play through in the fourth quarter. So it's going to be on AD to do that for us next season because LeBron, he's, you know, going up another year in age. But this is this is a perfect spot for LeBron on this list. Still a great player, still able to do so many different things on the court. He was phenomenal. It's just the fourth quarter where he's not able to do what he needs to do in order to win games anymore. No, completely agree. I have nothing. Honestly, I have nothing else to say. I mean, and he shouldn't have to, right? At 38 years of age, he shouldn't have to be the guy that carries the load in the fourth quarter. Why would he have to do that? Well, this this was why I was so frustrated when he came back from injury. And he came back and he reinserted himself into the team, a team who had the best record in the NBA since he went out. He reinserted himself into the team as trying to be like the number one guy instead of just letting the game come to him. And I, I knew I knew that that wasn't the recipe for success for us to win a championship. And it showed itself uh, when we played against the Denver Nuggets. Okay. Preston, who is your number two? We got two players here. We know who they are. Where do they fall? Well, you know, I'm looking at my list. And honestly, I don't, I don't want to choose either of these guys as number one. But... I've got Jason Tatum at number two just because this, what happened in the playoffs this year, just because, and Kevin Durant actually played well in the playoffs this year, whereas the year before he got shut down by Boston, but you can make a case for either. I think they're both the same. I think both of them are, are underperforming despite being the two best small forwards in the NBA. Boom. Just like that. The last seven of us are the exact same. I have Tatum at two, Katie at one. You can't go wrong with either. Uh, I just have Katie slightly just because probably the best scorer in the NBA overall. When I'm looking at who I'm viewing as like top five in the NBA, I view KD slightly over Tatum in the top five. I think Tatum is just like right outside of it, but I, I, I have KD right in it. Uh, so hopefully, I mean, same thing with him. He's just got to continue to stay healthy. And if he does that, then he's going to ball out. I mean, Katie... Preston, we talked about it, man. KD, KD does like, he has some like drama in the media, like in terms of like being on Twitter and arguing with like fans about, you know, pointless crap. Uh, he doesn't have to do all that. You know, he has a burner account and all that crap, but 
in terms of everything else, he just balls, man. He doesn't, he just goes out there and he's a hooper, man. He's a pure hooper. That's all I really have to say. Can't go wrong with either of them, but I, I have KD uh, number one slightly over Tatum. Look at that, Preston. That number seven through one, exact same. We had Ingram, Damar, Kawhi, Jimmy, Tatum, LeBron, and KD. Just like that. Couple honorable mentions, Preston. I had Chris Middleton uh, as my first honorable mention. Another guy that was on my top 10 last year. Uh, but again, a lot of it was injuries. Andrew Wiggins. I think Andrew Wiggins is in there. He's in that conversation. But I had to knock him a little bit because of injuries. Uh, another guy you have to mention in that conversation. Uh, of course, I said MPJ. You got guys like RJ Barrett. You got guys like Tobias Harris. Uh, but Tobias Harris has kind of fallen off at this point. He has way too big of a contract. I, I don't like that contract at all. And then uh, another guy that I think goes under the radar, uh, Keldon Johnson out of San Antonio. A lot of people don't watch his game because, you know, he plays for the Spurs, uh, but he is a solid small forward. He is, I think he deserves to be an honorable mention. Guys that I think can make that next jump, you got guys like Jaden McDaniels. He's getting up there as well. So I had a lot of players that I listed. Yeah, I listed um I listed Scotty Barnes, Franz Wagner, and then Andrew Wiggins. Okay. All right. So we got three positions down. Let's go ahead and move on into the power forwards. We got two positions to go. Preston, I guess I'll have you start the power forwards. Uh so a couple honorable mentions. I know you 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 probably have some that you want to mention, but who do you got coming in at number 10? At number 10, I got Lori Markinen. He had a really good year with the Jazz this past year. Big leap for them this year for a team that traded every runaway. They started the the season out really strong, and eventually teams started figuring him out. But you know, Laurie Mar- Markkinen was pretty awesome, pretty impressive all season. So definitely improved his stock as a player. Uh, hopefully, he'll be able to earn a, a, a good contract when it's whenever his next contract is up, and continue to improve and be a good player for the Jazz as they start their rebuild. Yep, Danny Ainge up there having those guys playing free. Just looked like they were having fun out there. Uh, you know, no sense of urgency, you know, early in the season, very young team. Of course, they had that big trade with Gobert and, you know, they moved the roster around significantly since last year in the playoffs after they lost to the Mavs. So, and Lori came in and and he made, you know, he made a big step. I didn't think he would be a guy, you know, in Chicago. I, I was like, this is, I don't see this guy ever being a, a star type player. And sure enough, he got a little bit of a restart in Utah and, Boom, look at him now. One of the most improved players in the NBA. Won the most improved player this year, so got to put him up there. I'm honestly surprised, Preston. I thought you would have had him higher on your list, but I respect it. And I mean, it's only a one-year sample size, too, so I understand if you want to see more uh, from the power forward position for Laurie Markkinen. So we'll see what the Jazz end up doing uh, this this year. Uh, see if they have improved. Of course, Jordan Clarkson made leaps and bounds as well. Excited to watch them moving forward with all those picks. At my number 10, Preston... You're not going to like this one. He was a little higher on my list last year. You know what? Actually, I kind of I want you to guess who you think this is. I told you you're not going to like this one, so you can. <laughs> Dang, uh, who's a power forward I don't like? Um, yeah, I couldn't tell you. Uh, go ahead and, and shoot. Draymond Green. Wow, you have Draymond at 10? Yeah, Draymond at 10. Yeah, look, I think he regressed this year, but I, I still feel like he's valuable to the Warriors. Now, whether he's going to cause drama or not, his playmaking skills, his defense, what he provides on the floor every night, I think shouldn't go unnoticed. Now, 
I don't know how him and Chris Paul are going to gel because if you've been listening to like the media and like the way they've been talking, like they don't, these guys don't like each other and they're pretty clear about it. Draymond has mentioned on his podcast, he doesn't like him. Chris Paul is, you know, they've been asking him questions about working with Draymond and he, you know, he's, he's been kind of hesitant with his answers. So there's always drama with Draymond. He He's a very vocal guy. And, you know, of course, with the drama with Jordan Poole, you know, stepped on Sabonis's ribs in the playoffs in the first round. Like there's just always something going on with him. And the older he gets, yeah, you can say he's going to regress, but I'm looking at him just because just from a player standpoint and what he provides on the defense side of the ball, I have him at 10. Uh, but I, I do think that uh, other players are stepping up and he's, I mean, the older he gets, he's getting a little worse too. So that's where I got him at number 10. I think it's a fair spot. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not going to tell you my Graymon take just yet. Okay. I have a feeling he might be coming up here pretty soon. My number nine, Preston, I, I have a uh, rookie of the year, Paulo Bancaro, unanimous rookie of the year, no doubt about it. Look, I know he's in a situation where he's in Orlando, so he has to do a lot for that team. Like last year, he had to score at a, a really high volume and it, you know, it affected his efficiency. So I think the better the team gets, his efficiency will get better over time. But him as a playmaker, him as a scorer, offensive threat, I mean, he went in there and he and he scored 20 points per game as a rookie. And the I mean, the only rookie that was close to him in the rookie of the year votes was Jalen Williams out of OKC. Other than that, I mean, he pretty much dominated the whole year in the rookie of the year votes. Uh, I think he's a guy that is going to be one of the better offensive players in the NBA. We'll see how he improves on his defense. Uh, but I knew coming into the draft that he was the most NBA ready player from his draft class. And so far it's looking that way. So uh, I'm excited to see, you know, some of the improvements he makes on the defense side of the ball this year. Uh, but I have him at number nine, uh, only a rookie, only going to continue to get better. And uh, I like Bancaro moving forward. Yeah. Paolo is someone who actually didn't make my list, which now that I think about it, that might not make sense based on, how he did, you know, in just his, his rookie season. But I've, I've got to keep him out for now just because I personally haven't watched him enough and he's on the edge there. So, you know, I'll, I'll try to watch him more this upcoming season. Hopefully the Magic will get more more games on TNT and this, that, and the other. Um, maybe I'll get league pass this year. I don't know. We'll see what happens. The cool thing if, if about living in Florida now is if I get league pass, I'll be able to watch Laker games on it. Whereas everything else, all the Laker games are blocked out in LA. Like you had to watch it on like freaking spectrum or whatever. Right. So, so yeah, that's why I don't have him on my list. At number nine, I have Aaron Gordon. I have Aaron Gordon because he was huge for the nuggets this year. They won the championship. You know, he's carved out a great role there that really suits his game. Um, obviously he has Jokic to thank for a lot of his success, but like at least now, you know, he has an identity in the league. Teams know how they can use them and he's shown he can be really effective at it. And that's why I have him at number nine. Yeah. So, I mean, the way you have Bancaro is where I have uh, Aaron Gordon. He's a guy that didn't make my list. He was definitely an honorable mention. You know, for some people, it might not make sense. Uh, but no, he really did step up this year. I, I really liked how he helped that Nuggets team. I mean, really one of the pure reasons as to why 
they were a number one seed this year. You know, you look at the jump they made and you're like, wow, where did the Nuggets come from? It wasn't just because of Jokic. Uh, you know, of course, Jamal Murray is a guy that turns up in the playoffs in the regular season. He was still getting his groove going, coming off that ACL tear. And then Michael Porter Jr. was pretty inconsistent at the beginning of the season as well. So who was the guy that stepped up for them the most? Aaron Gordon. He was the big part of that team uh, that really helped them make that next step. So honestly, if you're looking at it from a a valuable standpoint, I, I don't fault you at all for having Aaron Gordon at the number nine spot. So I definitely respect that pick. Uh, okay. Preston, who do you got coming in at number eight, right over AG? Right after AG, I've got Julius Randle. Listen, we can talk about how bad he was in the playoffs this year, and that's why he's lower on this list. Two years ago, he had an amazing season, and you know we were talking about him really becoming one of the top power forwards in the league, especially as a scorer. But he's just been inconsistent, and he hasn't performed well in the playoffs. And the only reason I put him over Aaron Gordon, honestly, is just because he's more talented of a scorer than Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon had a bigger impact this year on his team and and was tougher to stop against the rest of the league. But Julius Randle, I think, is still a slightly better player. Um, And I think he'll have a bounce back year and move his way up this list. Maybe it's just not a good fit for him in New York. Maybe, you know, with Brunson there now, you know, maybe they got to start mo- moving him to somewhere else because he's the type of guy where you you kind of got to play through him. But if you're trying to win playoff games, like he's not a guy you want to play through. So he's either got to figure out a role there in New York, or he's got to go to a team that isn't as good and, and be the guy there if he wants to be successful in this league. Otherwise, he's going to keep on getting crapped on by Knicks fans. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, my number eight is a guy that I'm I'm very high on, but I was a little disappointed that he didn't make a bigger jump in the 2022-2023 season. That's Evan Mobley from Cleveland. I really loved how he played his rookie season with the team that was, you know, continuing to get better. I think they were a top, I think they were a top five seed in the East before uh, injuries happened last year. And that was before they had Donovan Mitchell. This year, when they got Donovan Mitchell, they got Evan Mobley back for another year. Of course, Jarrett Allen, Darius Garland improving. I knew that this team was going to be a top four to five seed in the East, and that's exactly where they were. Uh, so, you know, their their success doesn't surprise me overall as a team. But it's just, I, I really thought Evan Mobley was going to take a bigger jump from his rookie season. I knew he was the best. I mean, I thought he had the best upside out of anybody in his draft class when I was scouting him and honestly, like, you know, he only went, he only improved his points per game, you know, by one and uh, his rebounds by one and his assists barely by half, half a point there. So I, I thought he was going to make a bigger jump. He played better on the defense side of the ball, especially in the playoffs. I mean, against the Knicks, he had a couple, you know, clutch blocks in those, in those games, but really Cleveland just disappointed overall. And he wasn't able to make a big impact him and Jared Allen, they call him the twin towers. Uh, and they kind of disappeared late in those games. And, you know, credit to Jalen Brunson and that Knicks team for stepping up and just outplaying them. But I was really excited for that series. And it was really disappointing to to see Mobley and Jared Allen kind of disappear. And, and of course, Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland, they took turns disappearing as well. Overall, just a disappointing performance from a Cavs team that I thought regular season was better than the Knicks all year. And so I, I, I really thought that, you know, they choked that game one at home and I was like, man, like that that's a serious changer right there. And of course it ended up impacting them. They ended up losing in five games. So I think Mobley's kind of in a situation where he has a lot of stars around him with Mitchell, Garland, of course, Allen. 
So he's not able to excel to his full potential, but I don't, I still don't think that's an excuse for disappearing in the playoffs. So I think he's going to have to play better uh, and maybe put on a little bit more weight because he's, he's, he has a tall, thin frame. Uh, but his upside as a player overall, I mean, I'm still really high on him. And I think eight is a fair spot for him. He didn't get, he didn't make that big leap that I wanted him to, but he, he's still getting better. So, I mean, at the very least, if he never develops into like this crazy offensive player, you know, he's going to be consistently on the all defensive team. Cause he's that good defensively. Yeah, that's solid analysis. Um, I won't give my analysis on him yet because I've got him coming up on my list. Do I get my number seven now? No, I guess since you you gave your number eight, I'll give my number seven. A guy that it's hard to evaluate, Carl Anthony Towns. I have him right at seven now. He's a five, but he played the four this year because of Gobert. And honestly, that's where the problem lies. <laughs> he just doesn't work with Gobert. You have two centers mixing well on the court. Well, I shouldn't say mixing well because they don't mix well at all. And Carl Anthony Towns is just a defensive liability. He can't play the four. He can't guard other forwards. And he's a one-dimensional offensive big man that can shoot threes. He needs to expand his game. He needs, we talked about this, Preston, offensively, really good shooter. But he doesn't really provide too many other things offensively. He feels like he's one-dimensional at times. Now, I would like to see more, you know, transition buckets because he really likes eating out in a transition if you watch his game. I would like to see more post-up moves. Like he always just feels like he has to shoot and then he talks a big game, but in reality, he just hasn't done anything. So uh, the reason I don't have him higher uh, is because he only played 29 games this year. He was hurt for most of the season. So I had to drop him a little bit uh, in the rankings. I think Carl Anthony Towns, I have him right at number seven. Cat didn't even make my list, bro. I'm so done with Cat. I, I don't <laughs> care if he actually is a top 10 power forward in this league. I'm so done with him. The Timberwolves are a mess, and honestly, it's not Cat's fault. It's the Timberwolves' fault, and it's the the culture that they had when Cat came into that situation. They tried bringing a, a guy like Jimmy Butler in, and what did Jim, Jimmy Butler do? He blew up, went off on them fools, and then dipped out of there because he was like, uh-uh, this is trash. Those guys, they literally you know, go to practice. They're, they're, they're just casual NBA guys. They go to practice. Da, 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 come home, play video games, and then what? Jibber, jabber, jibber, jabber, jibber, jabber, but don't actually win anything. Like, they don't do what's necessary to take the next leap as a team. Even They got so much talent there, and they always end up being so mid. So, no, Cap's not making my list. Get out of here with that. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Who's your number seven? My number seven is Draymond Green, someone Ooh. who's a proven winner and a proven champion. Yeah, yeah, I know. You're... Talking like I'm not going to have him in my top 10. No, I got him at number seven. Draymond is hell of a competitor. I got so much respect for him. His impact goes way beyond him as a basketball player. And, you know, he makes impact in good ways and bad ways. He made an impact right to Jordan Poole's face. That's for damn sure. Mm -hmm. um, so, unfortunately, that situation, it's unfortunate it unfolded that way because Jordan Poole was a really good fit there the year before. But yeah, man, Draymond got that bag, deservedly so. He does so much for that team. And you can argue that like Draymond wouldn't be Draymond without Steph, but you could say Steph wouldn't be Steph without Draymond either. Like Draymond is such a good playmaker for them, such a good defender, such a good leader. Um, you have to keep him in your top 10 somewhere because of his impact and because of his resume. 
Okay. So I, I think I'm a little bit surprised, Preston, because I, I know you don't really like him as a person. Uh, but I, I just want to, because we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. So what is really the main reason why you wouldn't want him in LA? Because, you know, of course there was rumors before, you know, with that player option that he was going to end up maybe being a sign and trade and then go to a possible team like the Lakers. Because a bunch of old guys never worked. They already have developed egos. You need young guys you can build a culture around. You need a young core and you need veteran leadership. But we have enough veteran leadership in LA. We already got LeBron. We don't need we don't need somebody else coming in there. Can't argue with that. Number six, I got Pascal. Now, Pascal's a guy who was really good when the Raptors won the championship. And he was really young at the time. Still is pretty young. And we, we've all expected him to kind of, we've been waiting for him to take that next, next leap, you know. Uh, and he's kind of tapered off a little bit. You know, I, I think he's going to end up being pretty good next year. But yeah, right now I've got him at six. Why are you making that faith? You think that's wow. high, low? Dude, I'm surprised. <laughs> you'll, you'll see where I have Pascal. That, I'm surprised. But right, I'll, fair enough. I'll wait, I'll wait, I'll wait, I'll wait. Okay. Uh, my number six, uh, I got Jaron Jackson Jr., the defensive player of the year. Yeah. Debating on throwing him in the top five, but I think six is fair for now. I think he still needs to improve as an offensive player. Memphis is a is a weird team just because of, of course, all the buzz around them. But, you know, in games that John Morant was out, Jaron Jackson, I think, really stepped up. And the only thing I think really brings him down for me is he gets in a lot of foul trouble, like a lot. Like there, there's a lot of times and, and crucial moments where he'll just foul out because he's super aggressive, but can't argue what he does on the defense side of the ball. I just, I, I need to see more from him offensively. I think it's getting, I think his offensive game is getting better, uh, but I need to see more before I, you know, put him in the top five. So Jaron Jackson Jr., Defensive Player of the Year, one of the best defenders in the NBA. Got to give him his props. Uh, is that surprising to you? Yeah, that's surprising to me. Do you have anything else to say or are you going to wait until you get to no, him? No, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. Okay. Preston, I'm about to say my number five. This one is going to be very controversial. And honestly, I don't know how you're going to feel about it. I know how you feel about him as a player, but I don't know how you're going to feel about me having him in the top five considering everything that has happened. My number five is Zion. Okay, keep going. I'm listening. <laughs> Look, here's the thing. If I'm going to rank Carl Anthony Towns, I have to rank Zion. Why? Because they played the exact same amount of games last year, 29. And all we do is talk about how Zion can't stay on the court, which he can't. I will give them that. And look, honestly, I think Zion needs a reset. I think he needs to be on a different team. I think New Orleans is not the team moving forward. I think if it doesn't work out this year, you got to trade him. You just have to. I mean, trade him now before his value just plummets completely. Like the more he gets injured, the more teams are going to back off because they, they don't want to deal with that injury bug. Forget how talented he is. They don't want to deal with that. I'm just going off of what I see from Zion when he plays on the court. And when he plays on the court, he's phenomenal. He's the best player on that team. And I, I, I really hope that this is the year where they put it together in New Orleans and, and he just becomes not only the star that he is, but a superstar. He becomes one of the best players in the NBA because when he plays, he is that good. I promise you. It's not just hype. He is that good, but he has to stay on the court. So the reason I have him in my top five is because I know he's better than all those guys I listed when he's on the court. And if I'm going to put Carl Anthony Towns for playing 29 games, 
I got to put Zion for playing 29 games, who's way better of a player than Carl Anthony Towns. That's my analysis. Yeah, I agree with you 100% on that. I'll talk about Zion a little bit when I get to him on my list, but I 100% agree with you there. Yeah, and, and look, I dropped Kawhi. I had, if you go back to the small forwards, I had Kawhi at number five and I dropped him because of injuries. Boom, I have Zion. I think Zion at five. Yeah, it's consistent. Yeah, it's consistent. Your criteria is consistent. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Okay. Okay. Who's your number five? My number five is Evan, Evan Mobley. Okay. And so simply Evan. because of his defensive impact. Obviously, we're going off of this past season. I, I just, I think his impact is really important. And at the power forward in the center position nowadays, you're not looking for offense from these guys. Not unless you're Jokic and Bead. Like, Cat, Cat can't have an impact for his team and, and win games in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Because he's not, he doesn't make big enough of an impact on defense. Defense is the most important, the most important thing you need out of your power forward. So that's why I have some of these guys who are more defensive players higher on my list and a lot of the offensive guys more towards the bottom. Yeah. And Evan Mobley can really guard like any position if you think about it, like especially off the pick and roll too. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad you're still high on him because I, I know, I know, uh, I, I didn't know how you feel about how, how after, you know, the Cavs just disappeared in the playoffs. So I'm glad you, you st- you're still high yeah, on that's, him. Yeah, that's, that's not on him. That's not on him. That's on the team being young and honestly, the coaching, yeah. you know, they'll adjust. Okay. My number four, I have, uh, I have Julius Randle. So this, I had him a little bit higher than you did. Here's, here's the thing. Inconsistency. I, I think you mentioned it very well. You know, of course, his first year in New York, he had a really good, most improved type season last year. He had a, a down year this year. I think he really took, uh, the next step. And that's exactly why I have him higher on my list. Four, I mean, it's probably going to seem high. And I'm not trying to contradict what I said because I know I had Zion five because I think all the other players that I listed below him, I think Zion is way better than those people when he's on the court. Now, that kind of contradicts because I think when Zion's on the court, he's a way better player than Julius Randle. But I think Julius Randle, I'm a little more higher on him than most people because I think the jump he made this year in terms of the regular season was really huge for that Knicks team. And I just need to see more consistency because he plays really good in the regular season. He had one of the, he had a really, really good regular season this year, but in the playoffs he disappeared. And this is not the first time he's done that. So I feel like a lot of it, he tries to do too much for his team. And you mentioned, you know, team fit and everything. Maybe he needs a reset, but I have him number four right now. I think you can't you can't go any higher than this, but I think anywhere between four to eight range uh, is is pretty fair for Julius Randle. Remember, a lot of these guys are interchangeable, but I'm a little higher on him than most, but no doubt about it, not trying to contradict my Zion point. When Zion does play, he is better than Julius Randle. Uh, I think I just value what Julius did in the regular season a little bit more, but got to drop him a little bit uh, because of, you know, the inconsistency in the playoffs, he just shot horrible in the playoffs. And yeah, I, I, it's just kind of crazy how inconsistent he can be at times. So that's what I think. At number four, this is where I have Zion. Um, the reason I have him a little bit higher is simply because of talent. Um, you know, if it wasn't, if he was playing to his potential, he'd be number two on this list. Easily. 
he'd easily be number two on this list. But you have to drop him because, you know, he hasn't been available. Um, and availability is extremely important. you got to be on the court in order to, you know, be one of the top guys in the league to make an impact on your team. You don't need to be on the court to get paid, though. You sign that contract, boom, you can do what you want. You can go bang porn stars, but by the time that next contract comes around, hey, you know, it's going to be a different story. So we'll see if he can get it together. Like I, like you said, I don't think New Orleans, I think he needs a reset. You know, hopefully this whole social media thing was a wake-up call for him. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he'll be able to, to chill with his baby mama and uh, and focus on basketball this year. He's still so young, too. Like, he's younger than us. He's got time. Who is your number three, Preston, right after Zion? Number three, I got DeMontis Sabonis. This is where I have Sabonis um, from oh, the Sacramento you have, Kings. So you, you rank Sabonis on your power forwards? Yeah. Did you have him at center? Yeah, I have him at center. Is he? Did he play center for them this year? Yeah, most of the time. Dang. All right. Yeah, I forgot they went smaller. Um, okay. Should I take him off this list then? Yeah, just add him, throw him into your center list, and then I guess move move someone up. Yeah, I'll move. I mean, everybody else gets moved up, so that puts Zion at three for me. Okay, so then who would have been your number, your first honorable mention that gets bumped up then? <sighs> Carl Anthony Towns, I guess. <laughs> I know you hate Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, so that was Zion would have been your number three. My number three, uh, I got Laurie Markkinen. I was surprised you had him at 10, honestly, or I guess nine now because Carl Anthony Towns moved up. Yeah, maybe maybe the sample size is a little small. It was only a year, but man, he took a big leap and he almost shot 40% from three. So look, I'm I'm high on him moving forward. I think Utah has a bright future with all those picks. He's in the military now. I think he's going to come back swole. He's going to come back as a better defender, just a better overall, you know, tougher mentality. Uh, and I like Laurie Markin and moving forward. So screw it. Let's go, man. I've got him at number three right here. My number two, Preston. This is where I have Pascal Siakam. I was I was really surprised. Uh, you said that he didn't make the jump that Toronto wanted him to make. I disagree. I think he did. I think he made that jump two years ago after coming off an injury the year before. And I just think it's gone a little bit unnoticed because he's not a big of a name as a guy like Kawhi Leonard. And he's never, I, I mean, I shouldn't say never because I, I do think he's really good. Uh, but I don't know if he's ever going to be in the MVP conversation. Maybe he could be. I think he's that good. Uh, but I, I don't think he'll be marketed as much as a guy like Kawhi Leonard. So maybe that's why you haven't been able to see uh, the progression he's made. But man, I I, I think he, he's a monster, bro. I, I think this year he's really, you know, turned into, I, I mean, this is might sound crazy to say, but I think he is borderline superstar. He's definitely a top 20 to 25 player in the NBA. You know, he averaged what, like 26, 9, and 7. Uh, he shot 49% from the field. I mean, he's just a monster. He, I think he's the most underrated star in the league. He can really, you know, play both ends of the floor really well. One of the better, you know, two-way players in the NBA. Uh, he's able to dissect defenses. You know, he had his career-high 52 points. He really carried this Raptors team. And it's going to be interesting to see how he looks this year without Nick Nurse. So how is he going to look in a new system? He comes from a winning culture in Toronto. He's won a championship, but back then I didn't believe in him. So I think that's why I'm so high on him now is because back then 
I didn't think he was capable of being, you know, a number two, number one option on a championship level team. I think he's there now. And honestly, like as the trade rumors heat up, I, I would like to see him go to another team because if you pair him with another star on a contending team, he will help them win a championship right away because he's that good. So obviously, you know, he's more known for his offense, but I think his defense really took a major step this year. And I, I'm really high on him. And in my opinion, he is the second best power forward in basketball right now. He's a dog. Fair enough. Um, you know, yeah, you could definitely talk about his his offensive talent. I just think the power forward position is really tough to rank because like defense is so important at this position, like rim protection. And like he doesn't provide a crazy amount of them. Like name power forwards that have won championships for their their teams, like and being like the best offensive player on the team. It literally it's like Giannis and that's it. Like, yeah. But Giannis, and, and Giannis is Giannis can play literally any position. Yeah, literally. Literally Giannis and Tim Duncan. Okay, so who was your number two? Was that I'm guessing this is where Jaron Jackson is? Damn. Yeah. Yeah. This is where Jaron Jackson is. Listen, defensive player of the year. He's able to step out and, and hit shots when they need him to. Um, he showed up in the playoffs this year. They just faced a really good Lakers team. And, you know, Dylan Brooks had to do all the drama and whatever. He, he's a really good player and he's going to continue to improve. I think he's the perfect prototypical power forward in this league. And he's going to be be great the next five years. Memphis is in a really good spot. And Memphis, if John Morant gets his together, hey, they're going to be, they're going to win a championship in the next five years. Yeah, I could see it happening. Okay, Preston, my number one, we both know our number ones are going to be the same. It's it's pretty, you know, unanimous. Giannis Antetokounmpo, arguably the best player in the world. Uh, if not, he's the second best behind Jokic. Look, uh, I, I didn't say this about Siakam that I probably should have said is Siakam is a really good shot creator. Uh, he has really great touch overall, and he's probably one of the best transition scorers in the NBA. Who is that? Who is that exactly, but so much better at it? Giannis. Giannis does everything Siakam does, but 10 times better. And he's a better, way better defender. So uh, I don't really have to explain Giannis overall his game because everybody knows at this point. Like he's the only thing he lacks a little bit is a three point shot, but it's getting better. It's getting better. And the better it gets, the more dominant he's going to be. I mean, it, it's kind of scary to, to think about if Giannis could actually, if he had a deadly three-point shooter, like he'd literally be unstoppable. He kind of already is unstoppable. It was unfortunate this year with that Bucks team because I really thought they were picking up their groove towards the end of the season. Uh, and they and you know, Giannis ended up missing two games of the playoffs and it cost them against the Heat. They were the better team than the Heat, but you know, Heat culture got to give them credit. Uh, I think Milwaukee is gonna have something to say this year about winning the East. You know, I think Boston's going to be the favorites, you know, with Porzingis and that loaded roster that they have and, and Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. But honestly, I, I think Milwaukee has something to say about that. I think they're going to be coming, you know, for some blood this year. So watch out for them. Giannis is going to be playing like the best player in the world, like he always does. So that's what I got. Yeah. Easily Giannis. Number one revenge season is coming. The bucks are going to be good next year. Nothing more to say. Uh, honorable mentions. I'll just name a couple press in uh, Jeremy Grant, like his game, uh, Aaron Gordon, of course. And then uh, another guy that I feel like flies under the radar. You know him very well, Preston. I don't know if this is going to surprise you. Kyle Kuzma. Kuz. Yeah. Kuz, uh, 
Uh, yeah. Oh, you're talking about honorable mentions. Yeah. Kyle yeah. Kuzma for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I'm surprised he ended up staying in Washington. I thought he was going to go somewhere else. So yeah, me too. But you know, he got his bag. So yeah. Good for him. Uh, is there any other honorable mentions you had in there? No, I didn't have anybody else. Okay. There we go. All right. <laughs> oh, I, I had a, a not ranked button and <laughs> I thought I just mentioned this. I had a, I had an honorable mention list and then right under it, I had not ranked and I said, miles bridges. And I put in parentheses criminal slash did not play. <laughs> Damn. Miles bridges, man. Talk about a fumble. Dude. He, fumbled. he was in my top 10 last year. He was so, he's so talented. Yep. Golly. We'll see how he does this year. Okay, Preston, last position right here, the big man, the center position. We all probably know who's going to be one and two, uh, but the question is, who is three through ten? And this is where it gets interesting. Uh, you're going to throw some bonus on there, so I'm interested to see how that affects your list a little bit. You know, of course, we'll have some honorable mentions too. And uh, coming in at number 10 right here, Preston, I have Kristaps Porzingis. He's a four slash five, uh, but he played five, you know, primarily in uh, Washington. So uh, just the way that they ran their lineup and I, I, he just wasn't a good fit for, for the Mavericks. I think that's what kind of really brought him down as a player because, you know, me, he came into the league and he shocked a lot of people. You know, a lot of people did not like that pick uh, with New York and he proved a lot of people wrong. And I remember I was so hyped when we traded for him, but he just ended up being, he just ended up being a seven foot big man that would just, you know, stand out, stand beyond three point line and just wait for, to get a shot. Like he didn't provide any, any presence in the post. And when he would play defense, it would just be, you know, he would just be a shot blocker and it would be inconsistent. Uh, but you know, ever since he got to Washington, he, he went back to that offensive threat. He went back to the post game and just overall, just a better offensive player. And I'm glad it's working out for him. And now he's going to have a chance, uh, you know, to be a big impact in Boston, we'll see how they use him and how they run their lineups. And if he can stay healthy, you know, he's one of the better scores in the NBA. So especially big man scores. So I have him at right at number 10. Uh, I don't know if that is a little high for you, but that's where I have him. I, I like Chris stops, um, especially with the way the league is changing and, that's why a lot of teams were really high on him this off season. And that's why the Celtics were high on him because Adam Silver is changing the league. Victor Wembignana and who else plays like Victor Wembignana in this league? Kristaps Porzingis. Unicorn. So they're changing the rules. Now we're, we're going off last season. And I know this probably isn't fair and, and kind of contradicts what I've been saying, but. I'm just I'm gonna keep him where he's at on my list, and you guys will see where he's at on my list later. Um, simply because this is such a big talk talking point about the NBA, about where the NBA is going. Kristaps Porzingis, he's gonna have a, a big year with the Celtics this year, I think. At number ten, I have DeAndre Ayton. With him, you know, he he's had some really good years where he's been a scorer, but he hasn't been getting the touches that. You know, he'd like to get, he'd like to be somebody the team plays through more on offense. And Phoenix has kind of been making him a guy where, you know, he's going to get a couple of touches throughout the, the course of the game. But outside of that, they're, they're forcing him to play defense and, and defense isn't really a strong suit. And so 
that's why I got him pretty low. Um, I've got DeAndre Ayton at 10 for that reason. Okay. My number nine, I have uh, Jarrett Allen for the Cavs. Him overall as a defensive player for them. Uh, you know, a guy that can catch lobs, play really good defense. Uh, and he's still super young too. So uh, I like him moving forward. I like the team that the Cavs are building. Like you said, I think a lot of it is experience and youth uh, and coaching. So hopefully this year they can not only be a, a, you know, a top seed in the East again, but, you know, perform well in the playoffs. So I'm still high on him. Maybe he would have been a little higher if he performed better in the playoffs. But for all the reasons I said, I, I think this is a good spot for him. I have him at number nine. For my number nine, I have Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert, say what you want about him. He at least affects shots at the rim. He he does his thing. You know, liability on offense. and But the, the Timberwolves still made the playoffs this year. They still won a game against Denver, something the Lakers couldn't even do. And, you know, Rudy, you, we know who Rudy is. Rudy does his thing. And, you know, I've got him above DeAndre simply because of his impact on the defensive end of the floor. Yeah, so I actually had Rudy on my list. But I uh, I don't like Rudy, so I, I took him off. But maybe I feel the same way about Rudy that you feel about Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, I I don't know. I, I I think that was a a horrible trade. Honestly, I, I terrible trade. God awful. God awful. Yeah. I mean, no doubt defensive player, but man, he's just he slows the offense down so much. Like, yeah, it's just going to depend on. The center and the power forward position is so difficult because it really just depends on what type of team you're building. That's why I, I like I like Jaron Jackson so much because he'd fit anywhere based on like his play style. Fair enough. My number eight is Miles Turner. And honestly, I don't even watch the Pacers. I just know Miles Turner has been in the league a while and, he, and he's been doing his thing. Um, and he's been effective in doing it. And I think if, if he was a part of a bigger franchise, part of a better team. You know, we talk about him a lot more. I think, you know, he, he's been talked about as a somebody that team teams want, but, you know, the Pacers have kind of locked him up there. And, you know, they've actually got a couple good pieces now, especially with Tyrese Halliburton there. So we'll see if they'll, they'll be able to build with those guys and um, make a playoff team. Yeah, no, that that's a fair spot for Miles Turner. I think, I mean, he really took a major step in scoring this year, and I think it's because of a guy like Tyrese Halliburton who stepped up as well and able to kind of open the offense overall for them. So, honestly, I like their front court moving forward. And I think uh, Miles Turner, you know, as much as he's been in the buzz with the trade rumors, it looks like he's going to, you know, he's going to be around there for a while. So, we'll see We'll see what happens. My number eight, uh, I had, this is where I have DeAndre Ayton Preston, and I, I agree with everything you said about him. I think, you know, he was so, so highly, you know, recognized uh, coming out of college. You know, he was the definitely the solidified number one overall pick. And though he didn't end up being the best player in the draft, uh, I think a lot of it has been just the way Phoenix has structured their team moving forward. And I, I honestly, I don't think it's a good fit for him anymore. I, I think it's really affected his confidence. Uh, and I think he just needs a reset somewhere else. So, Honestly, I'm surprised they didn't they didn't trade him. I really thought that like going into this offseason, there was going to be no way that we saw DeAndre Ayton, you know, in a Phoenix Suns jersey this year. And sure enough, they're keeping him around. And even last offseason, you know, him and Monty Williams not being on the same page in the playoffs. And it just kind of seemed like he just kind of gave up on them at one point. 
And then he ends up signing that contract. So it just kind of threw me off. So I don't know where his head's at. Maybe, maybe he's just excited now to be playing with another superstar. And, you know, maybe he's at this point, he's like, you know what? Screw it. You know, maybe I won't get touches, but as long as I help, I, I rebound, I try to play good defense and I do what they need me to do. And we win a championship. It doesn't really matter at the end of the day. So I don't know what he's thinking, but I really do think that if he was somewhere else, he could take his game to the next level. I, I just think the lack of touches uh, and confidence has been kind of shot there in Phoenix. So I can't put him any higher. I, I think I got him at number eight and now your number eight was miles Turner. Okay. Who do you have at number seven? At number seven, this is where I have Chris stops. I think this is a fair spot for him based on where the league is heading. I think his stock is, is going up. A lot of people are like, you know, doubting it and understandably so, but like Adam Silver is not going to let Wembenyana fail. He's not going to, going to let him fail and unless it's just injuries. He's going to do what it takes in order to make him the next face of the league. I, I can already see where this is going. So that's why I got Chris Stop there. Okay. Well, uh, my number seven was Miles Turner. So a guy that you had, uh, your number eight, I just had him one spot higher and I agree with everything he said. I already said anything I had to say about him. So who's your number six? Number six, I've got Brooke Lopez, uh, runner-up defensive player of the year. Um, can step out, hit big shots. He's kind of like a, a Jaron Jackson Jr. of the center position. I think he's like the prototypical center you want, and I think he's a perfect fit uh, in Milwaukee. It was huge that they ended up keeping him. I really wanted him to come to the Lakers. Uh, I'm upset he didn't. Wow. Brooke Lopez was higher on your list than I thought. He he was actually an honorable mention for me. So, yeah, I think he was, he was actually the first honorable mention out. I had him uh, over Gobert. Uh, as my as my one and two honorable mentions. So okay. <laughs> oh, Preston. You know who my number six is? And this, mm. I wouldn't I wouldn't even ranked him if you hadn't have texted me this when we were making our list. Uh, uh oh. But you asked me if we were having rookies in there, and I said, you know what? Why not? <laughs> so I went ahead and put Victor Womanyama at six. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Am I crazy? No, no, you're not crazy. I mean, you know, people are going to be like, oh, dude, he hasn't even played an NBA snap yet. How could you put him at six? Hey, this is just banking on all the hype and, you know, how much potential he has as a player. If he just goes in there and plays decent, I, and when I mean play decent, like just play his brand of basketball, because you know he's going to be good. Like, I don't see any way he's not good unless he gets injured. God forbid he gets injured. You know he's going to put on muscle. You know he's going to put on weight. Uh, but uh, man, the what what he's able to do at his height, I think, speaks for himself. And like I said, when we were talking about, you know, when we were talking about the NBA draft a couple weeks ago, Preston, I'm not really concerned too much about him getting injured like some of these other unicorn builds because of the way he plays. He plays such a smarter brand of basketball than these other guys. So, man, call me crazy. I have Victor Womanyama at six. Screw it. Yeah. Uh, understandable. Um, I guess just wait and see my list. Yeah. Okay. So at this point we're at number five because your number six was a uh, Brooke Lopez, right? Yeah. Okay. Number five, this is where I had a uh, Sabonis. So same. Yeah. Okay. What a year for uh, lighting the beam up there in Sacramento. I mean, can't really say too much about it. I think Sabonis, look, it's not that I feel like five is low because of how good he's played over the years. 
I would like to see him, you know, be a little bit more aggressive on the defense side of the ball because offensively he's really good, you know, especially in the playoffs. There were some moments where, you know, he was getting out rebounded by guys like Kevon Looney and Draymond Green. I'm like, dude, like you shouldn't be getting pushed around in the paint like that. But I have nothing bad to say about him other than that. Uh, I would like to see him more aggressive, but it was the Kings first time in the playoffs in what, 15 years. So a lot of it, I think, is experience. But man, I, I, I couldn't have guessed that he was going to be this good of an offensive player coming in. I, you know, he got drafted by OKC, you know, coming out of college. I was like, man, this guy, I don't see him like he was. I was like, I don't see this guy being that good. And man, he really stepped up. And, you know, he's one of the better players in the NBA. I think he's top 25. I think that's a perfect range for him. Now, I like I said, I think five is, it seems low, but the center position, man, it's stacked, especially, you know, in the top five here. These four guys that are ahead of him, you will understand why they're ahead of him be, because they're just better than him. Not by a lot, uh, but it's just the way the, the position is getting stacked once you get higher on the list. So definitely had to put some bonus over one Bidyamba, at least because he's proven himself. And Miles Turner, DeAndre Ayton, Jared Allen, Christoph Porzingis, you know, based on Victor Wanyama's floor, I think he's going to be better than those guys. Devonta Samotis, he's been in the playoffs. I had to give him a little bit more props than some of those other guys. And I have him at number five. Did you have anything you wanted to say about him? No, you summed it up. You know, he, he's got to improve defensively. But Sacramento had a fantastic year this year. And his impact on the offensive floor was great. Hopefully he can just knock down some middies every once in a while. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Okay, who is your number four? At number four, I had Bam Adebayo. Bam Adebayo, I mean, the Miami Heat, you know, they're just a winning culture there. They figured out how to win games, and, and a lot of that is Jimmy and Bam being able to play together. Their chemistry, their leadership on both ends of the floor. You know, Bam's impact defensively, we've seen it. We saw it with that game-winning block on Jason Tatum uh, back in the bubble. We've seen it time and time again. Bam Adebayo is that dude. Yeah, no, he's a little bit better than Sabonis. Look, as great as Jimmy was in the playoffs, Bam was the best player in the finals. Uh, on the Miami Heat, of course. Of course, it was Jokic. I, I should say, on the Heat. He was the best player in the finals. He stepped up when he needed to. All the narratives were that he was going to get bullied by Jokic. Uh, he was going to have no chance. But honestly, I thought he did what he could. You know, you can only contain Jokic so much. I thought he really stepped up on the on the offensive side of the ball in the playoffs. Uh, and... I, I don't I don't think he played as good as I wanted him to in the earlier rounds, but Jimmy played so good it didn't even matter. But Bam out of bio, man, I mean, he played phenomenal in the finals. So I think I'm a little bit higher on him overall as a player uh, than Sabonis, and I think four is a perfect spot for him. You know, he's a little undersized for the position, but he can ball, man. He can ball. So that's all I got to say about him. Okay, my number three, I think this is probably your number three. AD, Anthony Davis, are we all on the same page here? Bro, did I just forget Anthony Davis on both of my lists? <laughs> Who did you have? Bro, I had Victor Wimbignana. Oh. I, I, that must have been I, a complete accident. I forgot about Wimbignana. Or for you, I, for, I, I thought you already, yeah, I forgot you, you still hadn't named him yet. Wow. Um, yeah, I'm going to put Anthony Davis at three. So one Banyama to four and everybody else goes down one spot then? Yeah. Okay. Cool. I guess I'll say what I need to say about Anthony Davis. A lot of it is health. I mean, this dude's made out of pure glass, but he's won a championship with LeBron in LA. And 
what he provides on the defense side and the offense side of the ball is better than what Bam and Sabonis do overall and some of these and these other guys. And I mean, he's mainly a five now. He played four for most of his career, but he's mainly a five in LA. And like I, I say this all the time is AD's got to be their best player moving forward now just because LeBron is older. He can't stay in the game late and AD can. So if all AD's got to do is just stay healthy, man. Like just stay healthy, bro. Put that boy in saran wrap if you have to uh, because his talent is is unmatched. I'd probably have him in my top 10, top 10 to 12 players in the NBA. I think that's fair. So, yeah, that's where I have him. Yeah, 80s inconsistency is just in the playoffs this year was so frustrating to watch. But when he's on, he's on. He's um, on, man. And even when he's off, his impact on the defensive end of the floor, you know, it makes him a top three power four or uh, top three center in the league still. So that's why he's at number three. Okay. Wambanyama. He had him, you had him right under AD. Go yeah. ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Listen, he better be top five player in the league next year. He better be. With all this height, all this talk, hey, he better be a top five uh, center in the league next year. That's that's why I got him there. All this, he, he, hey, he's got big shoes to fill. He's supposed to be the next, the next LeBron, the next face of the league. He's got to be that guy. So you said a couple minutes ago that Adam Silver is not going to let Wimbanyama fail. But is there any part of you that's worried that maybe the media is putting a little bit too much pressure on this kid? Because gosh, man, like he's handling it well. He is he's handling it well. And I, he's, he's been being trained for this moment the past year. Trust me. They, they've, I've seen who he's working with. I've seen a lot of videos on his routines. They're taking a very different strategic approach to him and he's supposed to be the future of basketball and uh, you know all these other prospects coming up you know the goal is to create a lot more prospects like him that way players are able to play more games and they're able to to be long and tall and and effective and and have very big skill sets like guard like skill sets so that's why i have him really high yeah and Honestly, like even based on what I saw in the summer league, he didn't play. He didn't play good. He struggled in his first game, but his second game he played really good. But what I took from those games in the summer league, I am a hundred percent confident that regardless of how he turns out overall as a player, he is going to be like a phenomenal defensive player right away. Just right away, just because of his size and length. Like you know, he's going to be a good defensive player. I wouldn't be surprised if he won a defensive play. He's probably going to be a multiple defensive player of the year candidate. Like. I think he's that good. So we'll see. I mean, a lot of people think he he's a lock for rookie of the year. We'll see how Chet comes out. If he stays healthy, you know, you got those two guys that are going to be battling for it. We'll see if he makes an all-star team. If he can make it year one, that's that's crazy. That would be really impressive. Uh, so based on how we're ranking him right now, Preston, I mean, he's going to be in the conversation for all of those. So, okay. Number two, baby. We know. It's it's top two or easy. Top two or easy. I don't we don't even need to talk about them. Joel Embiid, and then you got Nikola Jokic. That simple. Enough said. <laughs> yeah. Well, we need to specify that Jokic is definitely number one, though. Yeah. That, yeah, that's not even a conversation. He's got to be. Yeah. Now that he's got a championship, it was a conversation before he led his team to the finals and won a championship this year and looked like the Nuggets are going to be the next big dynasty in the NBA. 
I mean, come on. Like, Embiid doesn't got that. Yeah, we know Embiid's a way better defender, but Jokic is a way better offensive player. So it cancels out probably the best player in the world right now. And and Joel Embiid, like, it just kind of put a sour taste in my mouth, that game seven against Boston. Like, he played it like it was a regular season game in, like, February. Like, there was no urgency in that game. And I don't know. It just felt like he didn't take it as serious as he could have. He didn't play well. And look, I know it was one game, but Philly is known for choking and not getting to the conference finals because of reasons like that. They've been so close yet so far. So uh, it's not even a debate. I, You know, Joel Embiid won MVP, so you can make that argument. But Jokic, what he did in the playoffs, winning the, winning the championship, number one seed, it's unquestionable he's number one. So that's what we got. Uh, okay, Preston, any any honorable mentions you had in there? I had Brooke Lopez and Rudy Gobert as my first two that I named. I had Jarrett Allen and uh, Vucevic. Yeah, I had Vucevic in there. Uh, I think when healthy, a guy like Rob Williams is up there too. Uh, I like what I saw from... Yeah, Rob uh, Williams for sure. Yeah, I like what I saw from Nicholas Claxton too uh, in Brooklyn. I think he's getting better. He's not there yet, but he's getting better. And then... Uh, Sagoon. Sagoon is supposed to be a guy that's supposed to take a big step this year. So we'll see if he fulfills it, man. Uh, there's been a lot of hype on him and that Houston team, uh, the young core. Uh, but we'll see. Another guy that was close uh, from rookie of the year votes, uh, Walker Kessler in Utah. I mean, he had a phenomenal rookie season. Uh, so I'm just naming some guys that I think could take the next step next year. Uh, but they're just not quite there. So that's what we got. Preston, this is a long episode. We finally got through it. Uh, it took a little bit, but I appreciate you joining me, man. We got through all of this. We kind of messed up some stuff, had a little bit of curveballs in there, throwing one Banyama. And then, you know, I know people are going to feel a little indifferent about Zion being in our top five twos, but you know, it is what it is. It's our list. Hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, and Preston, I'll have to catch you very soon, man. Football season's coming up. We'll have to talk some football pretty soon, man. Facts. And play Madden. We got to yep. get some Madden. Coming out less than a month. All right, man. Thanks for joining me. I'll talk to you soon. Peace.